Hey everyone, welcome. Happy Hanukkah again, Thursday night class. Um, tonight's shear is again dedicated by uh, Leah and Levy Davidson. This is in honor of Tzvi Hersh. Ben was Avram David, I think. I just, I literally read it a minute ago. I think it was Avram David or Aaron David, but I think it was Avram David. Levi. And may he continue to beseech Hashem for the bringing of the Beis Amigdash today. And he should beseech Hashem on their behalf. For only brachas and mazel and only, only good things. Happy Hanukkah. I also want to dedicate this year to a new granddaughter that was born to me today. Not to me, to my daughter today. So, um, she doesn't have a name yet till tomorrow. So she's getting a schus of a chasidus on the first night of her life. Uh, she'll join together. She, I haven't seen her yet, but other than on pictures, and she's on, uh, she's in Philadelphia. And uh, this is a uh, chatzais. It says at midnight. It's around midnight now there. So it says at midnight, Hashem comes and um, delights with the tzaddikim and ganeden, and he shares the deepest secrets of the Torah. So, you know, I know she's missing ganeden because she came down from there and she's here. So we want to give her a little ganeden. So here we send her. A little love and a little, a little Ganadin. So she should feel comfortable in this world. She should know that she can tune in on YouTube and Facebook and sit in Ganadin. Uh, I would recommend you telling all your friends because we should have 8 billion people on this channel because you can be busy watching all kinds of whatever Narishkeit on YouTube or whatever. And, uh, or you can sit in Ganadin. You can sit in the Garden of Eden and hear the deepest secrets of the Torah every Thursday night over here. This class is the best kept secret in the world. And those who attend and learn it, know it. And those who uh, haven't yet found out, it's the responsibility of those who do know. Because why not? It doesn't cost anything for anybody to listen. And it's not because of me. It's because the stuff we teach, the teachings we teach are the highest, deepest, most profound teachings. And a uh, good time to spread the light outside is Hanukkah. What Hanukkah is all about spreading the oil the light and the oil, which is the teachings of Hasidus, is the oil. Okay. So we're going to learn a discourse. So the, 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 I'm excited, Shechayanu, because um, the book Sefer Torah R, which we should be reading from some Torah, we should have been learning this. I hadn't had one mimer to learn from this book because we learned all the discourses. But this week, Parfus Miketz Hanukkah, this is the, we have a discourse to learn, which hopefully we're going to learn tonight, which is going to leave us with one more for next year. Then there is still a few more a little further up in the book. We have a mimer, and then towards Purim time, but mostly we finished all of this book. So it's really exciting. Now I have to search online and find where the classes are that are hidden. Oh, just in time. Just in time. Oh, we got to make her a copy. She told me she's coming, and I had a uh, slip. Okay. Um, um, Ariella has uh, has the the class um, all 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 to herself. So now, no, no. Let me let me make a copy. I'll take a minute. We we just we just, we just getting ready with the dedications. Oh wow, well, that's extra special. So we'll make another two. Make another two.
Look at this. So in honor of Hanukkah, we have a whole yeshiva. Since COVID, we have many this is Ghanaian, so we're already we're already growing. Okay. Okay, so we're ready to go. So this discourse is an explanation on the discourse we learned many years ago. I don't even know how many years ago. Uh, but um it's uh but we'll try to uh, give make it now the, as as we always learn that the explanations are usually more more esoteric a little more complicated the actual discourses themselves now this discourse was easy for me to review because there is a, a safer called Hasidus Mavueres. um Hasidus Mavueres is a book which is a commentary on Torah or Torah. they made it very very readable as a group of, of Hasidim who worked very hard diligently and um, took selected discourses from the Alter Rebbe, um, they started with the holidays. So this is a Hanukkah discourse. So in their second book of Hasidus Mavueris, this is one of the, I remember when this, I think, came out when they, this was the, one of the first ones that they ever put out was Rani Vesimchi, this, this discourse. It comes from the Haftorah of Shabbos Hanukkah. We read this Haftorah actually two times a year. We read this Haftorah, Rani Vesimchi Bastion, which, where does it come from? I'll tell you in a second. It's uh, from Zechariah. It's from Zechariah. It's in Zechariah, in Zechariah. What it says over here is, this one's, uh, so you have to go in the back here. Shabbos HaChodesh. Okay. So the haft- we read a special Haftorah for Shabbos Hanukkah. Now this week, it's interesting, it's also Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. And it's also Shabbos Machar Chodesh. So we have a big clash of Haftorahs. We have really four Haftorahs that are clashing with each other to get center, to get center stage. Parshas Miketz sadly gets bumped. It doesn't get to be read. The Haftorah of Parshas Miketz, which is the weekly portion. Now, we don't feel so bad for Parshas Miketz Haftorah because last year <laughs> was so unique that Parshas Miketz did not come on a Hanukkah. So rare. The last year it happened. Miketz was not a Hanukkah. I mean, Hanukkah was during the week of Miketz, but Shabbos was already a day after Hanukkah. So in that sense, uh, there was a major guest in town, the Haftorah of Shabbos Hanukkah, which never gets read, besides once in a blue moon. Last year we read uh, a very unique setting in the calendar. So Parshas Miketz of Torah gets bumped. Then there's another three options. One is the special Haftorah for Shabbos Hanukkah. The other one is the Haftorah of when Shabbos falls on Rosh Chodesh, which begins with the Haftorah in Isaiah, Yeshaya, um, Hashemayim Kisi, the heavens are my throne. And the earth is the where I put my feet, God says. So that's the special Haftorah which we read on 
every time Rosh Chodesh comes out on a Shabbos, which happens usually twice a year, or could happen twice a year. And then, in addition to that, um, there is a special Haftorah which we read when Shabbos comes out the day before Rosh Chodesh. So when Rosh Chodesh comes out on a Sunday, the new month comes out on a Sunday. Now this Shabbos is both Shabbos Rosh Chodesh and Shabbos Erev Rosh Chodesh because Rosh Chodesh is going to be both Shabbos and Sunday. So we have a great variation of Haftarahs. Now even though we won't read them all, I think what we're going to do is read the Shabbos Hanukkah Haftarah and we're going to add the first and last verse from the other two, from the one of Rosh Chodesh and the one of Mahra Chodesh. I think that's what's done. Now, um, but the main Haftorah we're going to read is Rani Vesuchi, which is the Shabbos Hanukkah Haftorah. But here's the good thing. Even though we won't read all these other Haftorahs to the fullest, we should read them individually, study them and learn them, which means that this Shabbos we have extra studies to do because it's a very bright Shabbos, so we can get extra doses of Torah. Now, so this is from Zechariah, base, okay? Zechariah 2, um, uh, verse Yudal. So anyways, it begins like this. The Navi is talking about, now the reason we read this on Hanukkah, let me just read it to you. Now the other time, just, uh, first, so many thoughts. The, 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 the other time this is read in the year is Pashas Baaloscha, which comes out right after Shavuos, because that's where it's talking about lighting the menorah. Just like the Hanukkah, we light the menorah. So that's why we read the Saftorah twice a year. Shabbos Hanukkah, Pachas Ba'alos It's talking about a vision that um, I think Zechariah had. He saw a vision. And in the vision, Hashem showed him a menorah, a gold menorah. And the gold menorah is a very interesting menorah, and the menorah was self, self-supplying itself with oil. There was olive tree, and the olives were falling into a bowl, it's into some kind of crushing thing. It crushed the olives, and then the, the oil flowed into a bowl. The bowl was flowing directly into the menorah, and that's how the menorah was burning. And this was supposed to be, and, and the meaning of the vision was the Jewish people were being shown to Zechariah that they are a beautiful gold menorah because they're here to light up the world, made out of gold. Perfect. Um, so that's the message of Hanukkah relating to the menorah. So when we read it, because really we're lighting a menorah and we have to realize that the real menorah is us. We are the menorah. We're here to light up the world. So when you read the Saftar and Shabbos Hanukkah, it draws attention. It's the menorah of the mitzvah is not outside of us. It's us. It's, it's, yeah, but in this case, it's even more than the iron because the entire thing is, it's not just there, it's plated. This is just pure gold. But the gold we have to realize is ourselves. The Jewish people are all unified together as one menorah to light up the world. In any case, however, the beginning of the Haftorah begins before the vision. And the Haftorah starts with the verse, a prophecy where the Navi is prophesying how awesome it's going to be at the time of the redemption. It's a very Mashiach, the Haftorah. And the Haftorah says, Rani, sing, sing, literally sing, 
the Simchi and rejoice, Bas Tzion, the daughter of Zion, which is referring to Israel, the Jewish people, because Tzion is referring to either Jerusalem, it's called Tzion, like we call it Zion, and, um, and the Jewish people are also called Tzion. Bas Tzion means the members of Zion, which would mean, for sure, if Tzion is the city, then Bas Tzion are the people who live in the city. But we're going to see a much deeper reason for the significance of it being called Bas Tzion. Similar in, 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 the, in the male side, there's also such a name. It's Ben Tzion. Ben Tzion means the daughter of Tzion. Ben Tzion means the daughter of Tzion. I'm sorry, means a son of a son of Zion, and Bastion means and Bastion means a daughter of Zion. So we have the son of Zion, and we have the daughter of Zion. Hold on one second. And the verse is saying, and the verse is saying, rejoice, be happy, Bastion. Why should we be so happy? So simply, God is talking to the Jewish people and telling us to start singing. That's what we're going to be doing Sunday over here. Shabbos too, but on Sunday we're going to have a whole thing over here. Everybody should come. Music and everything. Be beautiful. Hollow with song. And you know, when, when I tell someone that we're having guitars and, and organs and we're going to, the whole place will explode with joy, they look at you like you're crazy. They think, you know, we have, my grandfather didn't do this. My great-grandfather didn't do this. My great-great-grandfather, what these Newman Hagem you're doing over here? It doesn't pass, pasnish. It's, it's, it's not Hasidic, it's not traditional, it's not this. But they're not paying attention to what the Navi is saying. The Navi is saying, start singing. Come on, stop already. I know your grandfather didn't do it because we were part of a 2,000-year exile, but it's time, to, it's time to get the tambourines out. It's time to start singing and dancing. The Giyul is coming, the redemption is coming. So it's saying, why? Hashem is saying, because I am coming. God says, I am coming. And I am going to dwell amongst you. So it's a prophetic vision regarding the Geula, telling the Jewish people to get ready for the redemption. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with Hanukkah. So we might think. If that's the case, why was this the opening verse in the Hanukkah Haftarah? We, we want to talk about the menorah, the vision of Zechariah where he sees the gold menorah. That starts later in chapter 3 actually starts in chapter 4. But in chapter 3, he's describing a vision, and then in chapter 4, he's, he's describing a second vision, and they're both, they're both continuous. So we can understand why we don't just start in chapter 4, where he sees actually the menorah, we also char- start in chapter 3, that we can understand the connection. Because you start with the two visions that he had, but the, 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 the verses before that is a continuation to what it says earlier. It's nothing to do with this. So why do we begin Shabbos Hanukkah with the vision, rejoice and sing the daughter of Tzion? So the Alter Rebbe goes and explodes the verse open. He openly blows it open. And he suddenly gives you such insight into Hanukkah and so on. What he really tells us is Hanukkah is Mashiach. The great redemption that's going to be when Mashiach comes, we have it already on Hanukkah. That's why we find Hanukkah is unique. He doesn't mention this, but we find Hanukkah is unique as the only eight-day holiday. And we generally know that until Mashiach, we haven't tapped number eight. Everything in Judaism until Mashiach is only number seven. And that's why all of our holidays are seven days. And everything works. Shabbos is seven. Holidays are seven. And even Sukkot, which is eight days, it's seven plus one. It's not really eight. Eight is only Hanukkah. 
Uh, why? Because eight doesn't belong to now. Eight is has to do with the future. Yitzchak is number eight. Yitzchak's name is eight times Yudke Vavkin. And Yitzchak had his bris at eight days old. And Yitzchak means will laugh. Yitzchak's soul has not yet revealed itself. Yitzchak is the from our fathers. Avram is the is the past. Yaakov is the present, and Yitzchak is the future. And Yitzchak is Oz Pino. Then we will start laughing. As it says in the there's a verse that says, we're gonna to say to Yitzchak, Avinu, you're our father. When Mashiach comes, we'll identify Yitzchak. It's gonna be a time of laughter. The great laughter when we will see the great light that came from all of our struggles. Yitzchak is Midas Hadin, judgment, which is a source of concealment, which caused all the troubles and difficulties and hardships. But it was never about the troubles and the hardship. It was the great light that will come as a result of it, which will lead to this unbelievable laughter, in which we will forgive Hashem for all the tzaras he gave us, in that laughter. Hashem will for sure forgive us for all of our misdeeds. It will just Everything will melt away in the great laughter of the future, the Yitzchak moment. So, uh, and that's number eight. So it's the future. And we don't have any number eight, and that's why the, the kinar of Mashiach the, the David Melech plays music, and the music is 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 the revelation of God. It comes through music. Kinar is, is comes from the word ner. If you take the word kinar, you have ner chavav, the lamp of twenty six. So why are you singing? You don't sing. A real song comes from a revelation. Something is being revealed to you, triggering you to to sing. What's the revelation? The revelation is beyond nature. Usually we're trapped in the trappings of the name of Elohim. Elohim is the source of nature. It's Gematria nature. It's Gematria Hateva, which is nature. So Elohim kind of keeps a grip on us, the darkness. But when we have, when the Elohim opens up and we have a miracle, when we have a revelation of Havaya, like Hanukkah, for instance, what do we do? We burst out in song. We, 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 it, it draws the song out of us. And that's what the kinar is. That's why, where did you play, where did King David play the kinar mainly? In the Beis Amigdash. Because Beis Amigdash was the, uh, Yaakov Avinu, when he came to the place of the temple, he said, this place is not, is not dominated by the name Elohim. It's not controlled by the name Elohim. This place is a place that is plugged into Yudke Vavke. It's a place of miracles. It's a place of godly revelation, not of divine concealment. Every time you came to the Beis Amigdash, Yerai, whoever came to, you came to see and to be seen, but to see as well. You saw godliness. So that caused song. And that's what a kinar is. It's chavav, which is 26, yutke vavke. Ner, it's the illumination, it's the lamp. Ki neri havaya. You are my lamp, Hashem. Hashem illuminates when yutke vavke reveals. However, the kinar had seven strands. Because in the yutke vavke that we've had in the time of the temple and we're going out of Exodus and having the Torah and everything we've had in our past. Still not the revelation of eight. It's the revelation of seven. Um, only Mashiach is going to be number eight. That's why it says that Mashiach, Moshe Rabbeinu, we just, uh, very interesting, we learned this in the Mimer, um, Shabbos in the morning, we're learning a um, fascinating Mimer from the Rebbe Marash. He says that Moshe Rabbeinu was the seventh in a sequence of tzaddikim. Mashiach the Gemara says it's from, it's from, he belongs to a group of eight tzaddik, called eight Nesiche Adam. So in that case, so Mashiach is eight. And Hanukkah is a celebration of eight. Not just eight, but eight Neirois. Because when Mashiach will come, 
music is going to be on the eighth level. That's what I was going to getting to. Because there's going to be eight strands on the kinar of David HaMelech. Why? Because we're going to have an extra revelation of the eighth dimension. And we're going to laugh. And that's going to lead the world to laughter. That's going to be unbelievable. The, 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 but you have Hanukkah. We have a, we, the, the miracle lasted for eight days. And it's one holiday of eight days. Because the energy of Hanukkah is from the eighth dimension, which is its messianic. It's Mashiach light. So that's the reason why the Haftorah of Hanukkah starts with the prophecy, sing and, sing and rejoice. Bas Tzion, daughter of Tzion, sing and rejoice because Hashem is coming. When is God coming? By the Giyula. What does that do with Hanukkah? Because Hanukkah is... Hashem came already on Hanukkah. Hanukkah gave us a little taste. Today I said in a share, and I taught in the morning, it was a Hebrew class. And I said in a share that people don't realize the Pach Shemen that they found, which is the, 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 the jug of oil, whose oil is it? Whose bottle of oil is that? It's Mashiach's oil. People don't realize that. Because Mashiach is called Mashiach because he's the anointed one. He's the anointed with oil. He passed on, Mashiach passed He's a later figure. He's a, he's a figure from the end of history. He loaned his bottle of oil 2,000 years earlier. He gave this, he, he stretched his hand. Mashiach Tzidkenu stretched his hand from the future into back. Back, he, 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 he preceded himself with, uh, you know, 2,300 years. Exactly how long ago was this miracle of Hanukkah? 2,200 years. And he pla- and he poured a, a jug of the oil that he's anointed from. It's Messianic oil. What is it really? Which oil is it? It's the light of Hasidus, which is the light of Geula. Bolshem Tov already started re- revealing this oil. That's why Yutas Kislev also comes out in the same month of Kislev. It's all it's all this powerful oil. It's Mashiach's light. Which, 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 and that's why Rani Vesimchi Basia, oh, What's the now? I'm just I'm, I'm giving away the whole mimer right at the beginning, so you get the crux of it, and then we'll understand the chiddush of this light. What's the novelty of the powerful lights of godliness of Hanukkah? Every time we do a mitzvah, we bring in a divine illumination. Every mitzvah is a channel for godliness into the world. What's unique about Ner Hanukkah? So what he's going to explain is gavaldik is that the uniqueness of Ner Hanukkah is that you light it outside your house. I mean, according to, we light it today's indoors, but either by the window, or the, but the original mitzvah is that you should light it by the entrance to the house and mainly mi pesach mi bachutz. It's like to the outside. And if you have many outsides, because you have like a patio in front of your house, so in Israel they do it actually that way, and they play people, they put it by the outer, outermost a gateway, which is going to the actual street itself. So as far as you can get closer to the street, that's where you put your lamp. And that's what makes this mitzvah different than every mitzvah, because all mitzvahs are always in the inside. To do a mitzvah, you go into a shul, you go into a sacred place. Here, the mitzvah itself demands that you go out to the outside. So what does that mean? That means is that people that are in the inside are worthy for divine revelation. He's going to explain that there's a certain type of preparation you need to do. To make yourself into a vessel that you can, you're able to have infinite light shine in you and through you. When you're doing a mitzvah, you're becoming a channel for the infinite. Literally, God is overtaking you. You're becoming, you're, you're, you're being assimilated into Hashem, and God's light is shining through you. But that takes a little preparation. You can't just, you know, pop 
in one second like this and, 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 and allow that light to flow. In order for that light to really, really, really affect you in a deep way, in a, perm- in, a, in, in a real deep way that you really sense it to the point that it brings you joy, because we can do mitzvahs and the light goes through us, but we're clueless. So when we're doing a mitzvah, light will always go through us, whether we know it or not know, we're conscious of it or not conscious of it, but then we don't jo- we're not joyous when we do a mitzvah. And that is a real bummer, because it's... Because if we, because if we really know what's going on, we would never stop dancing, because we did one mitzvah. The joy would make us so crazy, because it's like so unbelievable that we can serve as a funnel for infinite life, infinite energy. And that's called, and the, and the way the sages refer to that joy, it's called simcha shel mitzvah, and that's the most important ingredient in being a Jew, is that simcha shel mitzvah, not to do mitzvahs like. To be joyous, mitzvah should be electrifying. But in order to feel simcha shel mitzvah, you have to tap, you have to feel the godly current that's running through you. There's nothing as pleasurable as a divine current. Now, in order to feel the divine current, you need preparation. And what's the primary, primary preparation? You need to yearn for godliness. If your heart isn't open for godliness, you're not yearning for godliness because you're kind of very happy being a scrawny little person. <laughs> like sometimes, you know, you know, running around enjoying our physical material things and not realizing that there's an infinite beyond and that our world is so utterly insignificant and unimportant in terms because it's so minuscule, tiny and, and, and fleeting and empty. And, and for you yearn, a Jew, if a Jew yearns for God, and which, and the, 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 the process of the, the yearning and the longing and the pining for the infinite stretches you, refines you, elevates, not you, us, elevates us, purifies us, conditions us that when we finally do the mitzvah and the godly light is flowing through us, we can rejoice. Now, he explains something very, very beautiful. The yearning is not a dry yearning. The, the, the yearning itself is part of the journey, and it is so magnificently powerful, the yearning. What's the yearning? The yearning is the sock. So there's two things in a Jew's life. First you sing, and then you dance. The singing is the, the, the song of yearning and longing. It's through the powerful experiences of meditation. We recognize how constricted and limited and tiny and, and insignificant we are when we're not doing a mitzvah, when we're just being part of creation, how small and, and nothing we are. And we recognize there's an infinite beyond boundless truth and light that's available, but right now we don't, we're not tapping it. And that starts creating within us a longing. And when do people sing most songs? Think about it. Most song is is songs of romance. It's the song of seeking love. It's like people are singing for love. They're singing with a yearning. That's that. If you listen to Hasidic melodies, that's for sure what it's all about. It's a deep soul. Sometimes it has a tinge of pain in it as well that we feel constricted and want to get out. So with song is when with that longing is that is the movement of the soul to, to, to get out of its constrictions and blockages. That experience of song is first. 
And finally, after we free ourselves from the constrictions of the body and we reach a state of unification with the Ein Sof, which happens at the peaks of prayer, like we learned in many discourses, then comes the next moment in which we do a mitzvah. We finish praying and we go ahead and do mitzvahs. When we're doing mitzvahs, now God's infinite light is flowing into our bodies and into the world through us. We, act, we start acting as God's limbs and organs, which he funnels his energy through us. The mitzvahs are considered the limbs of God, and we doing the mitzvahs are also those limbs. So Hashem's infinite kindness flows into the world through our fingers and our arms when we process a credit card to give tzedakah. Well, well, today, the modern way of giving tzedakah, or when we're giving a dollar or writing a check or whatever it is, God's infinite light is flowing through us. And when we're doing any mitzvah, whichever part of the mitzvah we're doing, so that is supposed to bring you to joy. Especially if you longed for it first, and now you have it. So now you dance. So first you sing, and then you dance. That's the way it, it is supposed to be when things are, when we are spiritually sensitive. And the Alter Rebbe says, Oy gewalt. But we go into exile. And when Jews were living in the land of Israel, and their souls were not clogged, and they were in a, in a very close, intimate relationship with God, they would experience this constantly. This constant yearning, which, which, which led them to singing, which that singing is the tune that you sing as you're climbing the ladder or climbing the mountain. Miyala Bahar Hashem, you're going up the mountain of God, seeking to unify with Him. It goes through song. And then they would dance their way down the mountain when they're receiving and flowing with infinite light down the mountain. You're doing a mitzvah. Wow. So that was the way it is to be a Jew. And the Alter Rebbe explains when we are in that condition, we are called Zion. I'm going to explain to you why we are called Zion. Isn't that interesting? Rain, may God reign over the world, be sovereign, the sovereign ruler over the world, forever, for all of eternity. Your God, Zion of Zion. Because how does God become king over the world? Through the mitzvahs that we do, we channel his 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 presence into the world through our mitzvahs. And then we are called Zion. We're called, I'm going to get to that soon, but why we're called Zion. But then we're called Zion. That's the time when we are spiritually sensitive, sensitive. In other words, we can reach the joy. The reason we can reach the joy is because we first sang. When we first sing and yearn, then we can experience the simcha, the great simcha shal mitzvah, when we are called Zion. But on the time of exile, when we do not have any more our yearning, it's so pathetic that we've lost, we forgot how to yearn. Because we have so, we're, we're so disconnected from the, from, the, from the divine, from the infinite, to sense it. So we become numb. We kind of just try to move, we just try to kind of like make our way through daily living. Try to navigate the stresses and the anxieties of life and, and forget to yearn and to sing. And that's and that's Nebuch the state for all of us. Exile does this to us. So as a result of that, we're not singing. If we're not singing, we're also not dancing. So we go ahead, we do mitzvahs, and we and God's flowing through our mitzvahs. 
but it's not internalized in us. It's, and it's a very superficial external relationship. The godly light is very superficial and external. In that state, we are not called Zion, we are called Bast Zion. We're the daughter of Zion, because we still have a connection. We are the daughters of the, of, of the Jews who lived in the time of the temple. We are their grandchildren. So we're still keeping up the traditions of the past. We are traditionally Jewish, but we're not experientially Jewish. So we're called Bastion, the daughter of Zion. And this state, we, we're losing out on the enormity of both the longing and the dancing and the singing and the rejoicing we had on that. What's the promise of the future? All these rules and regulations are only true that we need to have the preparation that sensitizes us so that we can experience the joy, right? Only after we do a lot of spiritual work, a lot of, a lot of, we work out in the spiritual gym for like years and years and we really become sensitive to godliness. That's only until Mashiach is revealed. When Mashiach is revealed, Mashiach is going to bring down such an enormous, incredible, and, and, and lofty level of Hashem into the world. In the words of the Alter Rebbe, it's not Hashem's lights, it's Hashem himself coming to the world. That's, the, that's, that's the, what the Pasuk is saying. Ki hinini ba, I am coming. No more my lights. It's not oiri, my light is shining. I myself am coming. When God himself comes, no one can ever be a vessel for him. You can be in the spiritual gym for a 10 billion years exercising with meditation and you're never going to be a vessel for him. Forget about it. No one could contain him. Even the heavens and the heavens above can't contain him. When he decides to come, he's coming in a way that is purely a gift from above. Yes, we did work before that, but the ultimate is a gift from above. Therefore, and he's so unlimited that he's able to infuse us with his enormous light and in his enormous and the ecstasy of that light, even when we are completely numb and in other words, we can become in an instant, we can become so spiritually alive and so spiritually electrified by the divine light that's going to shine in us, even if a day before that, we were totally tuned out. And it didn't mean anything. You know, when Mashiach will come, we wouldn't imagine. Because we're going to watch, you know, my Israel, we have always the spiritual people that come here. But you're going to watch like all the people who would never come up to Mayan because it's kind of, to them it's a weird place of people who like to sing. <laughs> no, like people who like, who are very, very dry and very, and they're Yiddishkeit, maybe, maybe very halacha conscious, but even people who have, don't care at all, sadly, about mitzvahs at all. People that are, and suddenly like people are going to be oozing with, with spirituality, singing and dancing. And why? Because the numbest souls are going to become hypersensitive to godliness. Why? Because Hashem himself is coming. And when he will come, even Bas Tzion, not Tzion, 
Even Bastion, the daughter of Tzion, when we were in a level of exile, which were called Bastion, when we're numb and, 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 and unsensitive, and we can't feel anything, yet, what does the verse say? Rani v'simchi. Sing long and rejoice. Because that's the Giyot. Now, on Hanukkah, even though that's a messianic prophecy, it will only happen when Mashiach comes. Because only then will Mashiach, Mashiach himself will reveal such a high level of God, which even when you're not a vessel for him, he impacts you. He thoroughly um, 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 shakes you to the core and wakes you up in a way that is unbelievable, wakes us up, even though it will only be revealed when Mashiach comes. Only Mashiach will be on that level. Yet, on Hanukkah, we also attain that. A little bit. A drop of that. And where is it seen? It's seen in the fact that we do the mitzvah on the street. We don't do the mitzvah in the house. What does the street mean? The street means people that are outside of the, of, of, of the, of the, uh, of the sanctity. People that are outside of the of a, a sacred space, people that are not in the in the temple, or they're not even in a, in a Jewish home, they're not even inside a shul. They're they're, they're just completely outside the street people. And yet, we take the lamp, which is the divine revelation, and we put it outside because that's Mashiach. In the days of Mashiach, there won't be any outside. As far outside as you are, you will be inside. Because all the outsiders will become insiders. That's the Gil. And that's hinted to in the concept of Rani Vesilchi. Rejoice. Sing and rejoice. Basim. We read it on Hanukkah. Because Hanukkah is exactly this. Notice, outside is where Bastion hangs out. Inside is where Tzion is. Okay, there's two levels. There are the Tzion Jews and there are the Bat Tzion Jews. The Bat Zion Jews are the people who hang out on the street. The Zion Jews are the people who are inside, praying, davening, really refined, tzaddikim. They're really tuned in. And now we're calling out the Bat Zion. You sing. When is that? Hanukkah. Because Hanukkah, the lights of Hanukkah reach even the Jews that are non-kindleable become kindled. Even the lamps that are not um Lampable, or any way you would call it, ignitable, are ignited by Hanukkah. So as much as this was true throughout the world, the, the Rebbe did it more than anybody else. Because the Rebbe came out with the public menorahs. And we will never know, I mean, I don't know if we will ever know, how much tshuva was done by the farthest, farthest Jews who go out to the mall for holiday shopping and have not connected to their Jewish soul or to their spark of Judaism in their entire life. They're totally not interested. Don't go Yom Kippur to Shul or nothing. And they're sitting and waiting for their daughter or their whatever in the ice skating ring. And they're standing outside and they look on over and they see a Hanukkah menorah being lit in the mall. And they hear the blessings and something deep, deep inside of them identifies with what's happened, with that flame. And they won't say it to anybody. They'll never. They will, there are those who will go over to the rabbi, but then pick up a donut or whatever. But those who will not, they stay in their own place, but they shed a tear and they continue on. No one will ever know how many souls were awakened and touched 
It's, it's mine. And today, Menor, or people that are just driving past in France, past the Eiffel Tower, and over there, there is lighting up of these huge menorahs, or it's being done across in countries all over the world, public menorahs. The awakening and the depth of it. And the Rebbe knew it's the Hanukkah menorah that has the ability to, to touch souls that are not touched by anything else. You invite them for Shabbos, they're not coming. You tell them Yom Kippur, they're not coming. Hanukkah? Why? Because Hanukkah is Mashiach. Only Mashiach can tap these souls. Only Mashiach can go knock, knock, and they will wake up. No one else. Okay, and everybody can leave. That's the mimer. <laughs> That's the mimer in a nutshell. And now we're going to learn the mimer in, inside. Okay. There's nothing to worry about. It's so good. It's terrific. Uh, we, we have to just worry. Do we have enough tambourines? To distribute. That's your job. <laughs> That's it. So now we can learn it inside. The explanation of the concept of So he's going to first explain this in Kabbalistic terminology. Like we said earlier, there's Ben Sion and there's Bas Sion. So it's page 74, you have it? Page 74. Um, Tzion is a word that is sometimes in the masculine and sometimes it's in the feminine. is It's male and female. So what is it? So we know, let me, let me, we know, as I said earlier, Jerusalem is called Jerusalem. Yerushalayim is also called Zion, Tzion. The city of Jerusalem is called Tzion. So why is it two names? What's the two names? So we know that everything in the physical world is just a physical manifestation of the spiritual dynamics. Yerushalayim is the place where the Shekhinah dwells. Yerushalayim is God's city. It's called Ir Elokeinu. Now the Shekhinah herself is a city because the Shekhinah is the power of God's kingship. And the king has to have a people and he has to have an empire so the Shekhinah is a city. The capital city, that's the Shekhinah. And that's Malchut, a feminine side of God. And that's Yerushalayim. But we know the Shekhinah, Malchus, is a recipient. Malchus is, is, is the source of time and space. And then there is God's infinite light that is infinitely beyond Malchus, which is the masculine side of God. Okay, so Shekhinah is the woman. She's the source of creation. Beyond Shekhinah, beyond Malchus, are the nine sephirot above that represent infinite light. That's the concept of the sephirot. The, the Zeir Anpin is still part of the Orient Sof. Shekhinah is already like a piece of the Orient Sof broken off. That's the idea of Chava being broken off from, from Adam. Like she's broken off. Shekhinah is like a, a god a piece of the infinite, but broken off to become a source of a finite creation. Now, Shekhinah is married to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu funnels his energy and his life into her. And ultimately, he wants to have complete, complete unity and be unified with her for all of eternity, which means the orange self, the infinite one, will dwell inside the Shekhinah forever and ever. Now there is some visitation from time to time, but it isn't a permanent marriage. The permanent marriage is going to be when Mashiach comes. 
Now, the union between man and a woman is related to, to the, it's, it's the man. The man is all the sefirot, which really, the, it's really called the eramp, and mainly the, the emotional sefirot. Chesed, Gevur, Etiferes, Netzachot. But the actual attachment of the man to the woman is related to Yesod. Yesod is the conveyor, the, the mashpia. We're, we're, this week's parsha is Yosef. Yosef is Yesod. Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov is Chesed, Gevur, Etiferes. Yosef is the Yesod element. And he's mashpia to Malchut. Okay? Now, just like there is the Yesod in the mashpia, the mashpia's Yesod, to give, to, it, it's the ability of the influencer to attach themselves very, it's a spiritual quality in the soul. that You have an ability to attach yourself to whoever you are bestowing something to. Physically, also, there is the Yesod element in the man, which is through the Yesod, they have intimacy with the woman. The woman also has Yesod in her, in her, in her, in her. It's her ability. Yesod always means bonding. So there is the bonding from the mashpia, from the giver to the recipient. And there is the bonding of the recipient to the giver. They bond at a very deep level. So in Malchus itself, there is the Yesod of Malchus. The Yesod of Malchus is the ability of Malchut, of the finite element of Shekhinah, to bond and to connect with a very deep yearning and bonding and openness to receive the, the light of a Kodesh Baruch. That's why it's called Yesod of Malchus. It's called Tzion. So Malchus itself, the external part of Malchus is called Yerushalayim. That's the female of the female. But the Yesod of Malchus is, is her ability to connect to some to to her mashpia, that element, okay, that's a deeper element than her because it's her as she's rising up to receive from a place higher than her. Okay, we say on Sion that it's both male and female. Why? Even though it's part of her, but it's her ability to connect to him. So it's him and her together. That's why Tzion is considered feminine and masculine. Because it's the place of attachment of the man and the woman. That's the Yesod of Malchus. And that's so that the Pnimius of Malchus is called Tzion. So let's just stop right over here. So we understand, as an individual Neshama, every single one of us is part of the Shekhinah, or as an individual soul. When we are in a state of constant attachment to the infinite, when our souls yearn to connection with God, then we're in a state of tzion, which means our yesod is revealed. We're open. We're here. We're, 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 we're available for the relationship. We want the relationship. We want to connect. So in the time of when the Beis Amigdash standing, we know what was the main idea of the Beis Amigdash standing. We had a yichud. We were married. And our husband was home. So there was that Golos is a time where we, it's called in many places in the Chazal, the, the woman leaves her husband's house. Hashem says, I didn't divorce you. You know, we didn't have a get, but there's still a, a banishment. There's still a separation going on. So what does that do to the souls? The Shekhin is the mother of all souls. So what happens to all of her constituents or all of her children? Uh, they, make, they, make, they make their life without that attachment. And that means that in our own personal lives, we lose the feeling that we need, that we're, that we're lacking anything. 
We're not realizing that we want the or and sof. We want a unification. We become satisfied with just status quo. That's an ashama becoming kind of stuck, mired in the physical things in this world, losing. So we don't have our tzion anymore. We might be very from. So we have Yerushalayim. We have Yerushalayim comes from complete fear. We follow the Shulchan Aruch, but there's no, there's no godliness there. It's dry. It's, it's like you don't feel every mitzvah. You're, you're on fire to cleave to God. You go by rote. So you have Yerushalayim, but you don't have Tzion. Then it mobilizes the desire and therefore immobilizes the simcha that comes as a result of that relationship. So it kind of stifles all of that. So we so we're not called Tzion anymore. So he's explaining that's the concept. So he made Tzion Lashan Zachav Lashan Nekevash Uchenaz Dacharvenuf. It's male and female. It's the yesod element, the bonding element of the woman. Yeah. And by the way, Sion, therefore, is the same gematria as Yosef. Exact gematria as Yosef. Because Yosef is yesod. The Yerushalayim and Yerushalayim who malchus sheba malchus. And Yerushalayim is the Malchus of the Malchus. I'm saying the external part of the Malchus. The Malchus. That's the, the seal. That's, so now we know who Sion is the Pneumius. So in a sense, we would say something like this. There's the level of Malchus itself. Malchus of Atzilus. Malchus of the world of Atzilus, which is the, the element of Shekhinah. When Malchus is attached to Yesod, then Malchus is called Sion. It's a higher level in Malchus. There's Yerushalayim, which is the Malchus of Malchus on her own. When she's attaching herself to her, to Baruch Hu, to the infinite light, she's called Sion. So when is she called Basion? We know that the Shekhinah leaves the range of Atzilas. She, re- she leaves the attachment to the Orient Sov, and she goes down into the three lower worlds. Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya, which on the, on the, on the, on the, um, in 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 it later that translates into the Shekhinah going to exile and Golos. It all starts with the fact that this the this the feminine source of creation, which is the Shekhinah, goes down into the three lower worlds where godliness is concealed. So she steps away from the infinite light, the revelation of the infinite. She goes she goes into the constrictions of time and space. Because what's Bria Yitzir and Asiya? What, what is the, these are three rain, realms in where we notice creation and we don't notice anymore God. We don't notice the infinite. And the further you're going down in Bria, in the world of Bria, you can the, 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 there's a lot of pores in the walls, so the light is still filtering through. In Yetzirah, it's a little more, it's a little denser, and we're feeling more time and space. And in the time you get down into the world of Asiya, the blockage is complete. So, which means, and the Shekhinah is embedded in it. So she kind of like is now lost touch, so to speak, with her husband. What? Yeah, three times removed. There you go. And that and that state, and but she's still called Bastion. She's not Sion anymore. She's Bastion. So Bastion uh, in Heinekeshayeredes when she goes down Libya to the Bria Yetzira Asiya element. But what's the purpose? Why do the Jewish people go to exile? Why does the Shekhinah go to exile? What's the purpose of it? The answer is, 
There are treasures buried in exile. The deepest, deepest, deepest deposits of infinite light, of crumbs of infinite light fell into the dark, dark crevices of exile. Amongst the nations, amongst the various different languages, amongst the different cultures, and amongst the materials across the entire world. And according to the Kabbalists, according to the deeper on mystics, our journey through, throughout the exile is not as a form of punishment, but it's really about accessing all these far-flung divine potential, and we integrate it into connecting to God through doing mitzvahs with all these things, studying Torah, doing mitzvahs. But here's the, here, here's the thing. It comes with a – we're going out into the darkness to go mining for, for, for sparks of holiness, but it comes with a, at a tremendous cost. We lose our spiritual connection. We accomplish enormous things by changing the dark world. That's why it's such a mysterious nefesh to go to Golas. It's such a mysterious nefesh for Anishama to come down. Because inevitably, we're not going to keep the same excitement we had when we were in a, when we were home. It's all, and we, 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 we can reach a point where we lose, almost lose all connection. But yet, we're still, because we're still doing the godly thing, we're still elevating sparks. So we're elevating sparks. We're not, however, in that bond with God. So put it this way. The Jews, when they lived in the land of Israel in the time of the Beis Amigdash, experienced love and fear of Hashem and joy of being connected and a mitzvah on ways that we can't even imagine. Their hearts exploded with joy. And we hardly feel anything. But, we're, but what are we doing here? We're here to imbue holiness and godliness and uncover the, the divine sparks that are in Australia, in Africa, in Asia, everywhere across the world, in, in America, in Los Angeles, San Francisco. The, the, for that, we need to go everywhere. So, But it comes at a price. What's the price? We lose the connection. Or we, no, we don't lose it. But we the, the connection goes down to a, to a little, tiny little trickle. So, the, 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 okay, so that is Ubasio in Anikisha Yeredes when she goes down to Biyah, to the Bria, to, to, to do a Bidur. Levara means to rectify and elevate. Okay. Now, what do we say? We tell Bastion, what do we say? Rani, sing. Vesimchi, and rejoice. Sing and dance. Sing and be happy. But that's a Chidush. That's a novelty. I discussed this earlier. In other words, that, that's, that's a total novelty because Bastion generally is known. Bastion is not in a state to dance. It's like, you know, you have a camp and all the girls are really into it. And there's one girl who's like totally through that. You know, you have a couple of weeks, you have chapatons, classes, kids are getting into it. You got all the kids. One person's like, no one is getting to it. So that's the situation when we're a Bastion. We're, we're still Jewish. We're a Bas of Hashem. <laughs> we're a daughter of the Shekhinah, but just not speaking to us, sadly. Right, so but what's the, the novelty over here is that we're telling precisely those souls who have become the most numb and most most the most uh, uh, burnt, so to speak, or or, or 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 desensitized. We're saying even to them, Rani, sing and, and rejoice. Now, who who usually experiences the Rani Vesimchi? In other words, where do we usually who? usually is in a state of longing and rejoicing. Not the Bastion, the Tzion. In other words, the Jews who lived in the time of the temple, or even in today's days, Sadiqim, 
or those who had a very fortunate upbringing that they were able to like be cultivated in a way that they can feel something and connect somewhere. So they're, you know, these are the Tzion Jews. They, they feel, they're connected, they yearn, they're excited. They're the people. So they have the Rani and the Simchi, usually. And where does it come? This concept, there's a Rani and it's, it's where God says to us, so beautiful, Ivdu as Hashem b'simcha, bo'yu lefanav b'renana. That's the Rani and the Simchi. Bo'yu lefanav, come before him, b'renana. So the Alter Rebbe actually reverses that, that verse. The verse says, Ivdu as Hashem b'simcha, we say it every day, serve God with joy. Bo'yu lefanav, come before him, b'renana, with a, with a, um, with a song. So the Zohar makes a very, very interesting statement. The Zohar says on this pasuk, Ivdu Sashem Besimcha, Bolafana Renana, the Zohar says, Renana Beramasa. Renana in Aramaic, Ramasa means at dark. At night is when you sing. Simcha Betsafra, Simcha is in the morning. Joy is in the morning and singing at night. What does the Zohar mean? When a soul is seeking to bond with God, but they are still in the dark. Which means when you're still blocked by creation, by the world, by the finite definitions of existence, and you can't, you haven't opened up a window to look out and see the infinite. So you don't see it yet, but you know that, that, that there's something awesome outside. You know there's something crazy magnificent. You want it so much, but you don't have it. That's, you're still in the dark, but you're looking, you're waiting for morning. That's the singing. The singing, as we spoke earlier, is, the, is what helps you move you out of yourself. You break open, you're getting out of you, cracking your shell, like the chick hatching from its egg. So while you're still contained in your shell, when the chick is still inside, blocked by the shell, and it's seeking to, it's singing its way to break out of that eggshell. So soul is every neshama. In the darkness is when you sing. That's the meaning. Come before him. It means you're, right now you're not before him. Right now you're still blocked by darkness. How do you come before him? How do you make your way out of the constrictions and darknesses? Only through song. That's the longing of song. But once you break out and you see him, you stop singing and you start dancing. That's ivdu as Hashem b'simcha. Now you go and ivdu means go do a mitzvah. Because when you're doing a mitzvah, you're actually now funneling that infinite light that you now appreciate and you're touching it and you're connecting to it. Now ivdu as Hashem, do those mitzvahs down here, funnel that infinite light. B'simcha, do it with joy. So usually, what does it take? So therefore, the Alter Rebbe reverses the verse. He says, "Ivdu Hashem b'simcha is the ultimate purpose. Is the ultimate. Um, 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 it's the ultimate destination. But how do you get to it? First, you have to sing your way out of the darkness. So you can sing at night, so you'll come to daylight. You'll come to the day. And he says the way God created the world is that there's first there's night, and then there's day. So first, you have to go through darkness and longing." But what happens if God creates darkness and the whole purpose of the darkness is that we should learn, we should yearn. But what happens if we forget there's something to yearn for? The darkness gets so crushingly dark that people don't even know that there's something, that there's light on the other side of the tunnel. You think that the world there is is dark. 
It's like the Rebbe always tells the story from the Holy Magad of Mizrich about when, about when he was a little boy, or when his son, the Mizrich Magad, the son, the son of the Mizrich Magad, the key watched them, they were playing hide and seek. And then the, 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 his son hit so well, the kids couldn't find him and they all left. And he was sitting there and hiding and hiding and hiding until he came out and the kids weren't anywhere. So he came to his father crying that no one was looking for him. The Roman Malach came to stand. Was the, the people abandoned the game. The Maggid said to the Ebershter, you know, you've hidden so well that everybody stopped looking. The whole purpose of the darkness is God wants to tease us. He tease. He wants to tease us so that we look for him. We look for him. But what happens? He stays hidden so long. We're not looking for him anymore. So that's the thing. We stop being. We don't have Ivdus Hashem B'Simcha. We say it every day in davening. But where is the song? Where is the Where is the Simcha? It's not here anymore. Then we've become no Merzia. We're Basia. That's that's the idea. Mashiach will come. That's the that, that, that. the Eberster will will bring back the song and the and the joy, even to those who didn't have a prep, a major preparation for it. Just it's going to happen. So now he's explaining the spiritual dynamics kabbalistically. If we say malchut the shechina, so again, all this experience that we talk about, everything exists in the individual, and then it exists in the in the cosmic. So the reason why every neshama is supposed to sing to God first, and then after we sing to God, after we sing to Hashem, we get to experience Him and we dance. The reason why individually every neshama goes through this process is because this is really what takes place on the soul of creation as well. As we are little mirror and ref- we're little sparks of the shechina, so we mirror and reflect the shechina's experiences because we are little pieces of her. So the shechina as well has a level where she yearns and then she rejoices. And then sometimes the Shekhinah gets stuck. So he's now first going to explain the cosmic experience. What does it mean when the Shekhinah is experiencing when she is coming before the orange self with her song? And some people have a minog to say on Hanukkah by the, by the light of the menorah, Mizmar Sheikh Hanukkah Sabayas. It's a Hanukkah Mizmar because it has to do with Hanukkah. Hanukkah Sabayas Ladav. What does David HaMelech say over there? Very strong, the last few verses. Laman yizamercha kavod. That kavod will sing to you. Kavod will sing to you. Who's kavod? Kavod is the Shekhinah. So the Zohar says the Shekhinah is singing all day. She's longing. She's crying from her constriction. She's singing this magnificent love song of yearning. Where she's yearning for the infinite light. And the Zohar says that this is this means the lower fire it's constantly calling to the higher fire. She's calling and calling out, calling out with this magnificent song. Imagine it's like the cosmic song, the song of all of existence. The soul of all of existence cries out for the infinite, longing for the infinite. But in order for her to experience such longing, she needs to be stoked by something from a high, very high place. In other words, she's triggered by something. Who triggers her? So he's explaining Kabbalistically, it's the light of Bina that shines into Malchus. When Bina drops spark of Bina light into Malchus, it ignites an inferno. And, my, and Malchus 
just shoots up in this forest fire where the whole fire, the whole universe is, 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 is ablaze with a fiery yearning for the Hashem. That's called Rina. He's explaining it over here. Look, um, the, the, the Rani, now it's a form, it's a thing. It's a form of fire. It's a form of yearning. A fire, burning. Fire, we always know, is which side? Chesed Gevura. Fire is Gevura. So it's Gevura's Te'ema. Amazing. It's the Gevura elements of Bina that fall into Malchus that trigger Malchus to have a Rina, a song. Follow? It's a Gevura element. Bina. Now why Bina? Say any level of the divine. A Gevura, a fire from above that fires her up. Because we know that we need, generally we know we always need a Serusa Dali'ela. We can't do anything on our own. So if, let's say, we wake up one day and we're davening really good, Something happens. We don't even know why. We open the siddur and it really is flowing from a deep place. You know that while we were waking up, while we were still asleep, Hashem dropped uh, an extra gift. You know, he, he sent a little, a little, a little, a little, a little WhatsApp into your soul, like a little message, and you don't even realize. Just that he, he put something. He sent one a love a sign and an emoji, and that way, unbeknown, subconscious to you, that 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 is waking you. That's the idea that God drops into Malchus a little bit of Bina light. Now, why Bina? Because Bina means, see, in order to trigger belonging, there has to be some measure of understanding. There has to be the understanding that the entire flow of energy that's flowing into me is only a little crumb of what's really out there. And when we recognize and we contemplate and we understand this this insignificance of the of what we do have, we long for and we appreciate the insignificant compared to what's awaiting for us on the outside, that's what creates the longing. So it has to be there is there is a contemplation, there is a bina element. But what are you what are you contemplating? Not how close God is. You're contemplating wow, how distant he is, how concealed he is from us. You're realizing you have a little, but he's, he's hiding most of his life. He's hiding himself. That's what creates the longing. That's why it's called gevura. Gevura means concealment. It's coming from appreciating gevura, the concealment, through your bina, through your understanding. That's why the song is triggered by the gevuras of bina. In Malchus, create her to sing. Now, what creates, what makes Malchus dance? What did we say earlier? First you sing and you long. Then she starts dancing. When does she dance? When she suddenly feels the light. When it's actually flowing into her. So that's also coming from Bina. But that's the chesed, the chesed of Bina. The chesed of Bina, the revelations of Bina that's flowing into Malchus cause her to rejoice. The, the, the gvura of Bina is what teases her and causes her to yearn. So these are the two opposites. Gevura of Malchus causes the song, the longing, and the simcha in Malchus is caused by the chesed, the chasad and the ema. In Kabbalistic terminology, it's called chasad and the ema, and gevura is the ema. Chasad and the ema means the kindness and the revelation of the level called mother of Bina. And and gevura is the ema means the power of of gevura, of strength, and of constriction that comes from Bina. Bina. These are two sides. The fire and the water of Bina that are delivered to Malchus that caused the Rani 
and the Simchi. It's the two powers of, of Bina light that are flowing in Tau and Neshama to help trigger this, this, this deep dynamics of, of Tzion energy in our Neshama, of Yesod in our Neshama. Because Yesod, by the way, if you take a look at Yesod, Yesod is in the middle. Malchus is, by the way, in the middle. I mean, she receives from Chesed and from Gevura. She's not like Hod. It's totally on the left. And, 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 and so it's Teferes, Yesod, and Malchus. So they they receive from both sides. So so uh, um, the the assault, which is the connection and the burning attachment, is influenced by Chesed and by Gevura. So as he says, Rani is that there should be a flow of Gevura energy from Ema from Bina. What does it cause when we're touched by the Gevura of Ema of Bina? What does it cause in Alan and Shama? Or what does it cause in the Shechina? It causes Rishpe'esh. It causes a rapture of fire. Flames of fire. The histalkus, And it causes histalkus. What does histalkus mean? Departure. It causes the energy of the Malchus to want to flee and go away from her, from her vessels. It causes you to want to go out, leave your physical life and just abandon yourself into spirituality. You want to like break free from all your physical responsibilities and just lose yourself in, in Kedusha and holiness. The Estalkos, and what is that? Machmas is boinenos, and it comes because of the contemplation, boirein saif. When you contemplate the ein sof, I'm sorry, not boirein saif, but ein sof. When you contemplate the ein sof, the infinite, and then you realize, how contained you are in your vessels, so you the, the, this and, and therefore you're not you're not touching the infinite, you're not connecting to the infinite. It causes you to want to depart your vessels, and it causes the shechina to want to re- break free from time and space and from and from being the life force of creation. The simchi, but then what happens? It 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 the pendulum switches over and it becomes from a longing, it becomes a joy. What's that? Chasadim de Ema. So that's the Chesed coming from Ema. It's the Chesed coming from Bina. That's already joy. Why? It's not a departure. It's Giloy. It's closeness. It's revelation. Hashem is flowing into you. Like we say, how do you know that from Bina can come joy? Generally, we know that Bina is mostly Gevura, which is on the left side. Yet Bina, we say Beferish, Aim we say tomorrow in Halal, Aim Habanim Semecha. The mother of the children, mother is Bina. She she rejoices and she causes joy. She brings Simcha. Yomtiv is called Mayadam Simcha. The light Yomtiv is, is, is the Yomtiv, the lights of Bina shine on Yomtiv. Shabbos is the lights of Chachma. But Yantav is Bina, and yet the main Simcha is on Yantav. Okay. Well, Biriniens had to understand all this. So this is a Kabbalistic. What we just did was he gave you a, 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 a Kabbalistic um, formula. Now he's going to unpack everything we learned. It should be easy because we, we, we discussed it, and we're going to be able to move fast. So we'll understand all of this by first prefacing. So let's understand why it's super cool to be a soul, not an angel. Angels, there's a major difference between souls and angels. See, angels, it's pathetic, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> Why? What's there? The angels only are privy to the to the Gavura coming from Bina. 
they never get a touch of chesed of bina. Which means they only get the longing, they don't get the joy. They don't have ivdu as Hashem. They don't have ivdu as Hashem. But what they do have is bayu lufan of bernana is nonstop. That's why what Amalachim do all day, sing all day. They never dance, but they sing. You ever saw anywhere that the angels are dancing? Did it ever say? Whenever you didn't dance. Angels don't, they're not dancing. Because they don't have the simcha. They're always longing, they're always curious for what's there. And it must be so frustrating. They're always curious. They're burning, burning, burning. But they don't have, why? Because angels, he says amazingly, they were never meant to be conduits for the orange self to flow. That's not their job. That's the soul's job. So they don't have that. They only have the yearning. So they're always singing. So what's the difference? Angels only have rak pchenas rina. The angels only have song. They don't have joy. They're never, they don't, it was never, they, why? The God did not give them Torah. That, that's what they wanted. They said, give us the Torah. They were hoping that they would be able to be the, the, the channels and the conduits to funnel the orange self into the world. And God said, no, I have it. That's for the neshamas, not that's for the souls enclosed in physical bodies and not you guys. So therefore, they don't have the hamshacha, the flow, from up down. They Torah mitzvahs to Torah mitzvahs because it wasn't given to them. They can't study Torah, they can't do mitzvahs. So what is that? So they are in a constant state of gvura, gvura meaning flaming fire. And they are in a state of departure. Yeah, but more, more in a state of they help the world yearn for God. If they wouldn't be in the middle, then we would never feel anything. Because they're singing, we sing. They're the source of all song. When people have a song, you're picking up you're picking, you're tuning in. People who compose songs have an easier um, antenna into the world of the angels. So they, they don't know subconsciously they're hearing songs and then they, they compose the songs. The angels are singing. Um, if it's a real song, and some people stum hak and shining, but if it's a real song, it's something you're tuning into the songs of the angels. Because they're in a constant state of gavura and departure. Like it says, Kol Bali Ashir Yoitzin Bashir. All members of song go out with the song. It's a Mishnah Masech Shabbos. The regular interpretation of this Mishnah has nothing to do with singing, but the Hasidic interpretation, the deeper interpretation. The Mishnah is talking about what you're allowed to, we know what you're allowed to wear when you carry on Shabbos that's considered, that's not considered carrying. So we know you're allowed to wear clothing. You're now allowed to carry on Shabbos outside in a public domain, but clothing you're allowed to wear because your clothing is part of you. You're allowed to wear jewelry because jewelry is part of you. The Mishnah says, the Mishnah is talking about animals. Animals, um, you're not going to have your animals do work on Shabbos as well. May an animal go out with a ring that it wears as a neck, a neck, a neck brace or something for the animal, a leash. So the Mishnah says, Kol Bali Ashir, all ringed entities that go with rings, Yotzin can go out into the street, Bashir with a song. Well, I'm sorry, Bashir with a, with a ring. An ankle ring, a bracelet, uh, whatever. these things, they're allowed to go out because it's considered part of the animal, the clothing of the animal. So it's, it's nullified to the animal itself. It's like, but the, the, the Mizritamagid, who has eyes, 
who can see, who can penetrate the Mishnah and see the deeper meaning. He says, no, it's talking about, Kol Bali Ashir is talking about the angels. The, and, and the truth is, it's not, it's, not, it's not separated from the Mishnah because angels are called animals. Chaya Sakodesh, they're the, they're the animals. It's just the higher animals, the source of the animals. They're called Bali Ashir because they're always singing. And the meaning of Yoitzin, he says, Yoitzin, they always ascend outside of their limitations, Bashir in the song. Through a song, through a nigin, they're, they're being elevated. They're going outside of their present containers and seeking to, to experience higher and, and truths that are beyond their grasp. And it's, it's mainly a nigin without, without words. With deeper, yes, because there's already a message that's grounding it into vessels. Yeah. They go out of their keli. That's what it means, yoitzim. They go out, they go out of their vessel. Ah, but what the angels don't have. Why are the angels not emissaries to channel godly light down? Why are they only able to yearn and ascend upward? Because they have, they have one thing. They don't have the quality of complete and absolute bittal. Only nishamas have total bittal. Now, bittal means like this. The king, the king has many servants. Mostly a king will, you know, give once, give, if he has to take off his shoes, he gives a servant his shoes, he gives a servant his thing, or... The thing, the thing a king will never do is he won't put his crown onto one of his servants' head. The reason is, for a split second, that person might think he's the king. But the king will put his crown on a nail. If there's a hook, a plastic hook or a metal hook or a gold hook, whatever, he'll put his crown on there, hold it. The nail is, the hook is, is, is an in, inanimate object. So, and, who, and the person is so much more devoted to you than the nail. The answer is the nail or the thing or the, the hook is, is not going to have even a split second of a thought that I'm somebody. And it can be totally nullified to the purpose. Its entire identity is the purpose to be a place to put the thing. It doesn't have a self. The servant, he might be very, very devoted but there's still somewhat of a self there. It could be the most devoted, but the little self. And because of that little self, the king can't put the crown on his head. Angels, God never trusts them with his crown. What, what is a mitzvah? A mitzvah is godliness itself flowing in God's crown. Hashem himself is flowing through. An angel is a little separated. He's a somebody. And if he's given godly energy, he becomes a little God. It's him. In the back of his mind, he's also something. He's not an ashamah. Even when we're in a body, because our neshamas are a piece of God, literally, we're able to dissolve into Hashem so much and even bring our bodies along into that bittal. That when I'm giving tzedakah, it's not me doing it, it's God doing it through me. That's what he says over here. The malachim don't have total bittal in their keli, in their vessel. Shahaguf alamode oimed. Their goof stands. They also have a goof. Malachim also have a body. They have a spiritual kind of a body, but it's a body. And then the body stands on its stand. It's excited, but it doesn't get totally nullified in God, and therefore it can't be a funnel for Torah and Mitzvah. 
Elishem is spoil. Yeah. He's neshama, the neshama of the angel. The soul of the angel is excited, but the body of the angel has a little bit of a self and can never completely relinquish their self, the self. And therefore, they only have song and they don't have joy because joy will only come when you have become totally one with the flow of energy that's flowing through you. That's the joy. That's the, that's the song, which is the external. Because when you're singing, you're not yet attached. You're still outside and you want to go inside. You're longing, you're not there. And he gives another, he gives a simple example. When you are, for example, when you're experiencing something really magnificent, awesomely magnificent, you're not talking about it. Today's days, we live in a world where people are not allowing themselves ever to become completely taken by something. And one of the biggest hindrances is that we don't allow ourselves to get lost and totally experience something to the fullest is because we feel we have to, whenever we see something awesome, we immediately feel we have to, sh- at that moment, take videos of it. And you can like, it's like, it can be a father by his own daughter's wedding and the daughter, the kala comes out and he's standing there and he's filming it with his, with his phone instead of, let someone else film this. Don't film it now. Like, it's like the most powerful experience, but we're filming it. We don't want to. So, what are you doing when you're filming it? You're basically not allowing yourself to become one with it. You're still standing out and you're talking. What's filming? Filming is, and, and it's really a form of malchus, a form of influencing others. Someone shared with me something so awesome, so crazy awesome, that because we're in the generation of malchus today, so we're in a world where everybody's a melech. Every shmendrik is a melech. What do you mean? What's a melech? A melech is an influencer. A melech shares his opinions, his ideas, his thoughts. Everybody shares. Everybody tells everybody what they did for dinner, what they ate for this, how their donuts came out. What? They, who cares? It's malchus. Malchus is a form of you project yourself onto others and you share about your... That, that's the experience of malchus. Your, your lens and you, you sharing, you're influencing, you have an ashpa on others. But here's the thing. In order to be mashpi on others, you can't be totally bottled to something. Because when you're bottled to something, you're, you don't exist. If you can stand there and interpret, example, the difference, oh, just, it just occurred to me this second. You have game, a basketball game, a baseball game. Uh, 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 so you have thousands of people that become so crazy excited about what's going on but then there is the radio announcer so while he's watching it he can't be completely lost in it because he has to he ha- and sometimes you hear them shouting like crazy they get, they're really getting lost almost but the fact that they are now communicating something about what they're watching means that they have a little bit of, of, of they're a little detached from what they're experiencing. Because if they would experience it totally, then they couldn't talk. They would just be silent and watching. When can everybody become a reporter? When can you become a reporter? When you leave the, this, this incredible thing, you leave and go to the outside. You go home. You should have seen it. Now you can go and blabber and tell everybody. It was amazing. It was crazy. It was like on the internet. Uh, yeah. 
But that's afterwards. When you're there, you're quiet. That's why I'm saying earlier that it's a shame that people are so today's days because of technology and we want to catch. You'll see. I'll give you an example. One of the most beautiful things that ever happened is over here on Rosh Chodesh. We do halal. And the halal is with song. And it's so uplifting. It's so powerful. And it hurts me so much because I watch three quarters of the crowd are going to get so excited and they're going to, and instead of allowing themselves to be part of it, they're going to take their phones and they're going to stand. They want to be the one sharing it with everybody of look how beautiful the halal is. But if you're describing look how beautiful it is, you're not in it. Because if you're in it, then you can't tell it. Go home later and you'll tell them how beautiful it is. Now, if I don't catch it now, I won't be able to share it. That's, that's the problem. So, so the, the, the angels, the fact that they're always praising God and they're saying everything about him means they're not inside. Because if they would be inside, they wouldn't be telling it. When you're standing in front of the king, you're not telling him how awesome it is to be in the king's room. When you're in front of the king, you're just lost in front of the king. If you're standing over there with your microphone and telling everybody how awesome it is in the king's room, it must be that you left the king's room already or you never went in. You're just outside and you can talk about the beauty of the palace, but you're not in the palace. So that's where he's detecting how the angels are stuck in the external because they're always relating. See, the angels, I started up with the angels, so they knocked my water over over here. I'm a safer. I knew they're going to get to me one time because Hasidus pretty much insults the angels, pretty much. And now they finally got back to me. They got at me. I'm so upset now because they ruined my nice safer. Shkoyach. Okay. Well, I guess we have to be nicer to the angels. Okay. So that's Okay. In any case, so now let's see inside. Um, the Rina, the song, is relating the praise of Hashem. And therefore, it's similar. If you're standing in front of the king, what are you going to relate? What are you going to tell? What are you going to tell and what are you going to relate? You, you, you. When you go outside, that's when you talk. and you're That's in order to get everybody else excited. So you're telling them about what's going on. And therefore, since the angels are always busy relating, it means they're never really inside. They hang out. It's interesting. He uses the term. They never really are assimilated into Hashem. They never become lost in the infinite light. They remain in the in this in the chambers of the higher worlds. So they go up higher. He says earlier, the song takes them higher. But wherever they're, where, in every level they're going, they're hanging out in the palace. They're not, they're not one with the king. They're going into higher levels of the palace. They're going into deeper rooms. In the words of of Alter Rebbe, they're going into the hecholist. Hechal means chambers, but they're not. Unifying with the light. And they're exiting through song. They exit themselves. The Tainuk Shemis And the great pleasure that they find the light in. 
in which they are relating the greatness of the Ain Sof. They always, every every angel has a different shear, a different song. The they're moved from whichever level they're in. May olam olam, they go from world to world. from chamber to chamber. they become integrated, but only what they become integrated and assume and into the hechal in the chamber. They don't go all the way in. And they sing with songs. Because what's the nigun? When, does, when do you sing? When your heart gets overwhelmed. When the heart becomes intensified with feeling, with emotion, that's what creates song. Because a song over here, especially the real nigun, is song without words. It's just an excitement that's just so intense that you don't, you can't chop it into words. So you let the song just flow in its full intensity. Once you're chopping it into words, you know, a lot of times you have nigunim that are nigunim and then someone puts it to words. In a sense, you're doing a little bit of a disservice when you're putting it to words. Because when you're putting it to words, you're already weakening the intensity of the energy. The song without words, that's why most Hasidic nigunim are just songs. Without words, like the in, in Chabad, for instance, on Shabbos we don't sing zemiros. So sadly, sadly, it has become actually a, a, a negative because you're not singing zemiros. So what are you doing? You're not singing at all. So you just you eat, you eat in Gangavaita, you know. And other places they have a whole thing, you know, Kari Olam, You have a whole system of singing. No, but, but the Chabad way was never supposed to be that you're not singing. You are singing, but you're singing Nigunim. You're singing songs without words. Now, that was, that's the real Shir Shabbos. Songs that are higher than words. But sadly, a lot of people don't do that. But if they would have a tradition at least to sing, so at least they would sing the, the song without words. Now they stay without any song. So if you know that you're not going to sing wordless songs, then better to sing Dizmiris. Even if it's not the minute Chabad, not to sing, to sing, sing Zemiras, because at least you know that you're not going to pass any Shabbos meal without a singing a few Nigunim. You have to sing. Darizal says that the main thing to do on Shabbos is sing. That's it. It's even higher than Torah study. Just singing on Shabbos. Um, and that's what the angels do. They sing Nigunim. They allow their emotions to flow so intensely. They're yearning. Beloy Dibor, without words. The sound, the voice, it just, it's, it's coming out of the heart. Before it gets chopped up in the vocal, in the vocal cords where you chop it into letters. And there are different types of song. In general, the angels feel a love, a yearning, a desire to cleave to what is beyond, to connect to what, to experience what's beyond. So they have love. But there's different types of love. There's love that feel where you feel a lot of pain because you feel kind of you want something, but it's so it's hurting you that you're not there. And there are loves that are full of hope. In other words, you're you're longing and you know that the one that you're loving is coming home tomorrow. So your longing has hope in it. And there is a there is a type of love that's sung with a with a, with, with, with a with a with a happy tempo because there's a lot of joy in it. There's already joy in the, even though it's a longing, it's a love, but there's already a sense of closeness. You feel like you're getting somewhere, or you're getting there, or whatever. There's a type of love, delight, 
Yesh Ava Bimidiros. There's a love that involves bitterness. Shem Smarmer Ava Chukai Machmas Ava Gdoyla. You're so bitter deep inside, you feel so much pain because you've realized how far you are from the, from the entity that you love. It's like a child that has been taken away from their parents and, 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 and they suddenly overwhelm with emotion and, they're, and, they're, and, they're, and, they, and they feel and they sing. They're singing a very a tearful song. They're singing. They want to come home. And they feel how far they are. And then times there's a song that's so deep, it, it, it's just touching you at the depth of your heart. These are all the various different types of song. In general, in general, it's love. But love has so many nuances. The Ava, the love includes all the experiences of the angels. There, there are variations Gazillion variations, but it's all revelate, it's all different experiences of love. It's the concept of, of Yoimom, the Ozalim Kul Yoimin. It says in Kabbalah that the Chesed, which is love, is not just called Yom, it's not called Day, it's called Yoimom. But there's a passage that says, Yomom Yitzava Hashem Chasto. By day Hashem commands his kindness. Why does it say Yoimom? It should say Yoim, Day. And the answer is referring to Chesed. Which is love. And chesed, love, accompanies all the emotions. It's a very powerful emotion. Like, for example, we find on the Yoshpiz and on Sukkis, we have every day a different visit. But Avram Avinu comes along every day. With every guest that comes, Avram comes along, because Avram is chesed. He goes along with everybody. Or Anana the Aaron, or the main Sukkis is, of, uh, is, is the cloud of Aaron. Aaron is also chesed. Okay. Like there was only one, um, one cloud on Sukkot. Which cloud did we have? Whose merit? The merit of Aaron. Of Afal Pikein. Nevertheless, there are seven days of Sukkot because the power of love, which is the power of Aaron. Aaron is a Kohen, and Kohen is Chesed. Kohen ish Chesed is the man of Chesed. It's it, it it's applicable in every day. So he's trying to say is that the Malachim, even though they have so many different a more bitter type of a love, a happier love, but it's all love. Zayin Makifim, Shem Ischal, could get the vibe, the seven encompassing energies. Chesed Shebechesed, the kindness of the kindness. Gevura Shebechesed, the Gevura of the kindness. This is all part of the Rina. This is all the song. In a Rina, Zuhu, Pchenes Gevura, is the end. Now this type of Rina is the Gevura element, as we spoke earlier, where is it coming from? Because it's a longing, so it comes from concealment, but it also comes from bina, it comes from the understanding of, 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 of how limited you are. Gevura is the aim. machmas In all levels, it's love that has to do with a certain distance. Because according to how far you feel, and equivalent to that increases the love. You're drawn from, from below upward. Your upward thrust has to do with how intense the love is. And how intense is the love? The more removed you are from what you want, the more it burns. The more intense becomes the love. Lamayla B'yes says, with added energy, Lies Nichsafa, like we say, David HaMelech says, Nichsafa, V'gam Kol Sanafshi, Nichsafa, I'm longing. My soul is expiring. Yes, that's the idea. And my soul is expiring. 
And the David Amal said this when he was when he couldn't be by the base Amigdash. When he was by the base Amigdash, of course he was excited. But it didn't come close that when he was crying out when he was Bemidbar, when he was in the in the in the deserts of Judah, far away, he couldn't go there because it was too, it wasn't safe for him. He's longing for the revelation. But not and there's another verse. It says, Nafshi Ivisicha Balaila. My soul yearns for you by night. What does night mean? Night means during the time of exile, during the time of concealment, I long for you more than when I am close. You can't have a longing. When you're lacking something, that's when you're longing. Your soul desire it. But here's the thing. If, you're, if you have no clue that you're lacking something, sometimes people are born into Nebuch such um, sad situations, they don't even know what it means to live a normal life. So they and they don't therefore they don't yearn for a normal life. They become satisfied with a very mediocre existence. So that's already sadly the result of exile becoming too dark. The purpose of exile is that we should learn we should yearn more. But then exile can become so dark we think we forgot that we ever yearn for something. We almost think that this is what it's all about. That's that's the danger. And so and the angels who perceive that they're far, your righteousness they sing. So what does it mean your righteousness they sing? Yiraneinu is the song. Because Malchus is called your righteousness. The Shekhinah is called Sedek. Um in, in Pastachalio which is a whole description from Elijah the prophets from Leo and Navi on all the spirit. When it comes to Malchus, he says, Tzedek Malchus Kadisha. Malchus is called Tzedek. Because the purpose of Malchus is to do tzedakah with the world. To give, to give the world life. So Malchus is called Tzedek. The Malachim, who are they receiving? Are they, are, the Malachim don't receive from the Orient of the angels. Because all the worlds don't receive from the Orient Soul, from the infinite. We only receive from the Shekhinah. So we only receive from Tzedek. The Alter Rebbe says, from Tzedek is all our life force is only from the Shekhinah, which is called Tzedek. Which is a tiny crumb of God. The angels perceive that they're only receiving from a crumb. So they long for what's beyond the crumb. That's the meaning, vitzit kascha. Because they appreciate their whole life force is only from your righteousness, only from your attribute of kingship, only from your malchut, yiraneinu, that fires their song. Again, the song being the longing. And another verse that emphasized that same thing, but the pasuk that says vitzit kascha yiraneinu is the last words of, a dif- of the pasuk. It's a pasuk in Ashrei. Zecher rav tufcha. Yabiu, which vitzit kascha yiraneinu. This is in the famous Psalm of Ashrei, right? The Hila David. I think it's Psalm one hundred and forty-six, in the Hila forty-five or forty-six. I think forty-six. It's the Hila Ledav, and in that song, David Melech says, "Zecha means a remembrance of Rav Tufcha of your abundant goodness." Yomeru, they speak. He's speaking about the angels. Zechara, only a remembrance, only a little something of Rav Tufcha, of your abundant goodness. Yomeru, they speak. Vitzit Koscha, and your righteousness, Yiraneinu, they sing to. 
So what is the idea? Tzedkascha is Malchus. Malchus is the tzedek. That's the actual energy that God infuses into time and space. We call it mamalakalalman. God fills the world with existence, measured to how much we can handle. That's tzedkascha. So that we can sing because we can feel it, know it, but we recognize that there's something deeper that causes this song. But before that, what are we saying? Tufcha, Rav Tufcha, is how, how, did, how did the energy get down to Malchus? Malchus is already a limited aspect of the divine. Malchus has to receive it from where? From the higher, from higher than Malchus, not from the angel. Malchus is above the angels. Where does Malchus receive it? From Yesayid, which is the tip end of the Oren Sof that is not broken off. And it was Malchus already broken off. It's like a sphere on its own, separated the mother of creation. Like, again, going back to Chava, she was broken off from Adam and made into a separate being. What's the last tip of the Ein Sof? That's Yesod. Yesod. And Yesod delivers to Malchus. Yesod is called Tov. Because Yesod, Yesod means what? The giving of the Mashpia to the Makabal. That's Tov. Tov is goodness. Goodness is what you're giving. So Yesod is called Tov. Tov is Gematria how much? 17. Who do we say is called Tov? This week in the last week in the parsha, Yosef. That's what we say about him. When the Torah says one thing about Yosef, that he was 17 years old. Yosef Shvab and Shvayasrashan. Because Yosef is Yosod. And Yosod is Tov. And that's also the level of Tzadik. Tzadik is Yosod. And we say, Imru Tzadik ki Tov. Praise the Tzadik because he's good. Tzadik is Hashem's hashpa into the world is through the tzaddikim. Yisod. Um, that's the tzaddik, which is which is. So. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's why from from tuvcha, which is yisod, only a tiny bit of yisod comes into Malchus. Only a little drop. And therefore, that's called Zecher A little bit of the abundance of your goodness. Your soul has millions of levels of contracting the light and contracting and bringing it down to Malchus. And it's only a Zecher, only a tiny bit of your Rav they, the Omeru they speak. And your, and your Malchus, your Anemu they sing. And they realize it's only a drop in the bucket, so they yearn for more. Take care. Um, only a tiny little bit of your Rav Tufcha. The Kamats and Tzumim, and there are so many contractions. It's interesting. Yisod is called Tzadik, and Malthus is called Tzedek, because the Tzadik gives to Tzedek. She's the recipient, righteousness, and he's the Tzadik, he's the righteous one. He dro- and what does he drop to her? A yud. He drops her. A, that's that's what tzaddik has more than tzaddik. He drops into her a yud, and when she receives the yud, she becomes tzedakah. From tzaddik, she becomes tzedakah. And anyways, um, and as a result of that, so all the celestial beings above are longing, and their souls are expiring. And 
and they want to become subsumed in the infinite light that is dwelling in Malchus. You know, Malchus, even though I said earlier that Malchus is separated and Malchus is, a, is only a crumb, but God unifies with all the attributes, and therefore he unifies himself even with Malchus. So therefore, when they know Malchus, because it's their source, on some level they sense the Orin Sof as well. But they know the Orin Sof is not revealing himself in them. The Orin Sof needs the infinite. Because if the Orin Sof would reveal himself in them, they wouldn't be finite. There wouldn't be time and space. But they're teased by it. That's the point. Because they sense it, they're teased by it. And that's what causes them to sing because when they're singing, they're not singing to Malchus, which is only the, they're singing to him, he himself, as he is manifesting himself in Malchus, which he's making himself infinitely, infinitesimally small. And they realize that he's really infinitely big, but they don't experience his infinite bigness. They only experience his infinitesimally smallness. And they, they realize that they long. That's what triggers them. Their hasaga, their grasp is not in the infinite. Only in that which he enclosed himself in Malchus. To portray himself as a king in which he calls himself their king. His name is upon them. Which that itself is their life. You know, what gives creation its existence the fact that god decided that the creations should be his empire now by the very idea that this is an empire that itself calls them into existence from non-being god's energy brings them into existence by bestowing himself as a king over them that's what brings them into existence but it's only his attribute of kingship which is his most external of external of external and not his very infinite self. And this will also understand. So we brought before from the Zohar that singing, Rina is by night and joy is by day. That's what the Zohar says. Renana, in the Aramaic term, Renana, which is singing, Biramasa is at night. Midas Laila, that has to do with. Now it's interesting, night and day is not just what we experience in terms of time, but they originate in the divine itself. Uh, we learned many times that the moon represents the Shekhinah and the sun represents HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God's masculine side. And the Shekhinah is represented in the moon. Now the moon dominates when? During the night. And the sun dominates during the day. So what that really says is that it's not only the sun and the moon, but even night and day itself. Night is Malchut. Malchut is called nighttime. And um, HaKadosh Baruch is called day. Why? Because daylight means it's revealed. So in the attributes higher than Malchus, the infinite is revealed. God's infinity is still felt and still present. But Malchus is this powerful, powerful filter. She blocks. And in the Shekhinah itself, she, her, the light of the infinite has become dim, 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 dim to the point that we don't sense anymore the infinity of God. Only then can God be a king because if it would be his infinite, if the infinite would be felt, then everything is him. It's only him. There's nobody to be a king over. So in, inevitably, Malchus and Shekhinah must darken things. 
So therefore, Malchus is called night, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu is called day. The levels beyond Malchus are called day. Now, the singing comes from being still within the finite yearning for the infinite. That's why the Zohar says, singing is by night. Midas Laila. One is still within the confinements of, of Shekhinah, of, 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 of night. Shaha Malchus, Malchus. And especially, when Malchus separates herself from her attachment to the Orin Sof, and she goes down to the, th- the three lower worlds, into the darknesses of creation. And she descends past the filter that separates between Atsilos, which is still a unified existence with God, and moves into the next state of existence of the three lower worlds, where it's really, really, really concealed. That's what it means she penetrates, she, she blasts through the masach, the filter, and she, she, she kind of, what does it mean she goes down? It means that she enters into, the Shekhinah herself enters into the state of existence that, that is like, um, that, that uh, uh, make, make the world be, be a very real thing, separated from God. So now, precisely because she has become so distant, Siv it says, Elohim al damilach. Elohim is referring to the Shekhinah when she descends down. Elohim is a name of the power, but the power of God in the world, which is a very, which is a limitation on God's end. And Elohim, we learned, is also the power, the the, the numeric value of Hateva, which means nature. God, as He becomes a source for nature. But that's very, very constricted and very blocking. And therefore, what, is the, what, is, what does the verse say? It's a verse in Psalms. Elokim al-damilach. Elokim, never be silent. Which means never give up yearning. You have a function. You have lowered yourself down into the narrow canyons of creation. But never give up yearning for the vast infinite light. Al-techarash. Don't be silent. The al and don't be muted. Cool. This is the idea that there's a longing. And then she's in a state of song, which is song and music. And He gives song at night. And what's this song? It's, it expresses the longing to become integrated above Misra Pekes Al Doida. She wants she's she's pining for her for her love. She wants to fall into the embrace of her beloved, which is the the masculine element of the divine, which is Hashem's infinity, and she's lo- longing so much to be reunited with him. And 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 that's mainly and again who feels this the most? The Shekhinah and all the angels above. They're, they they go along. When the Shekhinah sings and longs, the, the entire, she's accompanied by her entire choir of a gazillion angels. So also the service of the angel also is Berina, is also a song. Because Malchus is their source. 
they are a derivative of Malchus. They are the constituents of Malchus. They are the subjects of the king. They're part of the empire. Well, Malchus, the Bria, and, the, and you know that there is Shekhinah in every world. There's four worlds. Atzilos, Bria, Yetzir, and Asim. So the Shekhinah is always the headquarters of energy, the powerhouse in each world. The Malchut Shekhinah element of the world of creation is the source of the angels of the world of Bria. And therefore, the experiences of the Shekhinah is also felt in her constituents and her recipients that when she longs, they, to a certain degree, long along with her. And then the Shekhinah on a lower level, as she descends to become the source of the world of formation, which is much closer to her, to us, when she longs, when and the, the Malchus of Yitzira, which is a much constricted level of Shekhinah, when that level of Shekhinah sings, the angels that are closer to our range, they're already thicker angels, more denser angels, but they also feel the song and they sing along with, with, the, with the Shekhinah of that world. Ah, HaMalachim, however, what the angels are limited by, they only have the song, and the reason is because they can't bypass Malchus. Isn't that amazing? They are subject of Malchus. They can never get past. They always will belong as being part of creation. They can never transcend creation and become an extension of the creator. They don't have that. They're always within the context of creation. They would love it to do that, but they can't do it. Their source is in Malchus, and God, and therefore, experiences that are beyond Malchus is not of kingship is not is not in their range. The only ones who are sourced in the levels of the divine that are higher than Malchus are the souls of Israel. Because they're a piece of God's very self. As high as you go in God, the souls of Israel are rooted there. And therefore, even though we too descend into the world, and even though we too are born, the souls are born and from the womb of Malchus, we too are children of the Shekhinah, but that's not our essence. Our essence is on levels way beyond Shekhinah. Our essence is rooted in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in the masculine light and in the infinite light. And therefore, Eve, although we exist within time and space and within the world, we can break open that, crack open that shell and unify with the infinite. And it doesn't mean we die. It means that from that infinity, which we unify our souls with, when we say Echad in Shema, we can then draw the infinite light, not as creations, but as an extension of the infinite extending into time and space, into this world. And that's a mitzvah. And that experience is exhilarating. That's not longing anymore because you're not longing for anything. You are one with the infinite. You're just so joyous because the energy is like boundless and the, the explosive energy. The souls of Israel have embedded in them all the divine configurations. God zip-drived himself into a soul. He took everything and he packed it in, into every soul, every level of himself. That's what it says. When God created man, what did he say? Nasa, let us create man, in our image. 
So God is saying, I'm packing everything we have into the human. And what is that? He gives a Kabbalistic formula for that. Abba ve'ima, Chachma and Bina, which are the highest levels of the Sefirot, and Zuchri ve'nukva, male and female, which are the emotions and Malchut. God, everything God, uh, uh, um, you know, shrunk into a nutshell, into a tiny little, and, 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 and infused that into the soul. They have a level that goes far beyond the angels. They also have joy. Which is the flow of energy from the infinite into the finite. That means from above below. In Through Torah study, because when we're studying Torah, we're channeling the infinite. And when we're doing a mitzvah, the mitzvahs, the limbs of the king. So through the Jew doing a mitzvah, the Jew is now the limb of God entering the world. The limbs of the king, which are, now he's going to explain why, what's, what, what does it mean, the limbs of the king? So Hashem, the Orin Sof, in order to have a relationship with the world, configures himself into the image of a human. Those are the spheral, the attributes. They're an image of a human. Not physical image, but the the, the, the content, the, the image of the psyche of the human, intellect and emotions. The same structure of our emotions. Now, but obviously on a levels that are far beyond our comprehension. Now, how many sephirot are there? So these are the levels of God. Now, malchut, we said, is not included. Because malchut is already God taking Eve and breaking him away, breaking her away from him, making her a separate entity. We're talking about Adam, which is the image of Hashem himself. So initially, Malchut is part of him, but then Hashem breaks her off, now she's separated, becomes the source of creation. Adam himself is the nine sephirot, from Chachma to Malchut. So the limbs of God are these nine sephirot. But how do we, but he says that 248, so how does that work? Because we see a human being has 248 limbs. So really, it's really only nine. But when you do nine times nine, you get 81. Because each sephira has all the other ones included in it. So if there is chesed, the chesed has chesed, sheba chesed, the kindness of kindness, the gavura of kindness. You don't start with just chesed, you start from chachma. Chachma of Chachma, Bina of Chachma, Das of Chachma, and so on, Chesed of Chachma. And so you go through. Each one has nine. All the way to Yesod, there's nine. You don't count the Malchus in each level. So it's nine times nine. Since it's nine times nine, it's 81. Now in every single sphera, in every single one of these 81 levels, so suddenly this 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 nine-pronged being has become an entity of 81 features. Follow? 81 features. Now the 81 features now, each one has a beginning, a middle, and an end. For whatever reason. So then when you have, so 81 times 3 is 243. Then you add five powers of expansion. 
of kindness that caused the expansion, just like a baby. A baby is a full-fledged human being, but tiny. I saw a picture of my new granddaughter, tiny, tiny little. You know, everything is compact, but it's like very small. Then the baby has to grow. And what makes the baby grow into a, you know, a big, no, a full, you know, it's, it's the milk, the milk of the mother. Milk is chesed, it's white. It's the five kindnesses. A woman is very interesting. A woman, according, you know, a woman has five types of blood, which, which could deem her uh, nida, right? Impure, um, ritually impure during the fact that she has menstruation, five types of blood. That's the gavura of Malchut, five gavuras. But we said earlier that the, 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 there's also chesed. So when, the, when, a, when a woman is nursing, she usually doesn't have blood. That's because her gavura gets converted to chesed and it becomes her milk. And that's what makes the child grow. So these are five powers of chesed that expand the limbs and make them full-fledged growth, growed wings. So the, 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 again, three times 91 is 243, plus the five powers that, that expand it is 248. And that makes up the full structure of our limbs and being that we're created in the image of God, of, of Hashem's limbs. And those are the 248 commandments through which we allow God and we hook up our limbs to his limbs. That means each limb of ours connect to a different commandment. And as we're doing the mitzvah, our limbs are completely unified with God's limbs, which are his mitzvahs. It's him channeling himself down in a particular manner in us and through us. And being that our souls are able to melt completely into him, we and the mitzvah and God become totally one. And in that state, the, now, we're, now we are a, 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 a funnel and a literal manifestation of God in this world. That's really what a, what a Jew doing a mitzvah is. And when we do all the mitzvahs, so there's, that's something to make us quite happy. That's incredible. That's the two, that, that's why the, the mitzvah is supposed to bring simcha shal mitzvah, which the angels don't have. as he explains over here, the 248 limbs of the king. is the the nine sefirot of the ze'erankit. He test palm and test because now nine times nine and pay out are uh, 81. The gimel palm and pay out and three times 81. Every attribute has three vessels. Pneumium, the inner vessel. Chitzayim, the external vessel. And Tichon, and the middle vessel. There is the, 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 the most inner, the most outer, and the middle one that connects the outer and the inner. Hamresh mem gimel that leads you to two forty three. The hechasadim and then you have the five powers of kindness. The ema that come from the mother, as we said earlier, is like the mother's milk. Hamagdilim hemaramach. Hamagdilim that it causes expansion, and that is ramach hemaramach. So that leads you to two forty eight, and that's why we have two forty eight commandments. Vamshachazu b'za and these 248 commandments, which manifest as God's limbs, which is called now this being where God already manifests himself in limbs. God really has no shape and form and he's beyond all limbs as 
abstract as we will abstract these limbs, it's still a definition. It's still some kind of a definition. It's some kind of shape. It's some kind of form. Oh, so God's infusion into this form in order to have a relationship with us is on the level of Zeir Anpin. Where is it really coming from? It's coming from a higher place. It's coming from Chachma. And where is the light coming from Chachma? Where is it really coming from? It's coming from Keter, from the from 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 even higher, from the Orient Sof. So it's just a condensation. It's getting condensed. It's the Orient Sof, not not watering itself down, but compressing itself from level to level. First, it's the two. How many mitzvahs there are altogether? Positive and prohibitive mitzvahs. Six hundred thirteen plus seven is six twenty. So first, it's the six hundred and twenty lights of Keter. Which Keter is, is the numeric value of Keter is 620. Then those lights transition into Chachma. And it becomes the Torah. The Torah is God's wisdom. And from the Torah emanate the mitzvot. Because where the mitzvot is found in the Torah. So the Torah creates the mitzvot where on the 248 limbs of God. It's basically God lowering his infinite light down into a de- definable form. And once it's... And, to the point where it can be called already a mitzvah, a form of God, the limbs of the king, and then he extends it to us. And we melt into these limbs and we become one limb with him. And then, and we're channeling and we're, we're being him. When we're doing mitzvahs, we're being him in this world. But it, we only reach this level after we long for him. As we discussed earlier, first you got to sing to get out of your human self. Here's the point. The singing takes us out of our human self so that we can lose our, our creation, our created definitions. We pop our energy outside of the constrictions of our humanity and our created identity. We lose our identity for a moment completely. And then we're integrated into his infinite identity and we come back into the world as him, not as us. As the 248 of limbs of God embedded in a physical body through us doing the mitzvahs. Wild stuff. And how does this energy flow into the Zeir Anpin where it's already 248 limbs? Where is the Torah really stemming from? The Torah that that delineates or, or, or defines or it teaches us the mitzvahs the Torah, the Zohar says, comes from Chachma. Chachma is higher than the Zairan. Visharsha, and her root is even higher. Even higher than wisdom. These are the two, 620 pillars of light that are in the crown. That's considered the skull, the skull that's above the brain. And the concealed Moach of Erech Anpin, which we discussed in other classes, we're not going to go into right now. And all these lights, as lofty as they are, all flow into the Zeir Anpin. Zeir Anpin means the small face of God, which is the masculine side where God is, calls himself HaKadosh Baruch Hu, where he's in the image of man. And this idea that all the lights flow into this level is expressed in the verse, Kol Havaya, all the channels of Yudke Vavke. So Havaya takes Havaya, which is the Zeir Anpin, it derives, builds itself up from Kol Orchos, from all the channels. 
It takes from every channel. These are channels in order to bring and bring about the Yutke Vavke, who's now in the image of Adam. He's in the image of man. So now, Hembechinas Tayag Orchin, these are six, 613 pathways. Mechivrisa, from the supernal whiteness of the skull, whatever that means, of the infinite light, which is, and from there is where, what he's saying is, it's just, it's just condensing something, condensing it, condensing it, making it more touchable and tangible. Finishmas Yisrael, and then the souls of Israel, once it comes down into a level of definable commandments, then the souls of Israel, Hamamakabalim Kolo Eroiz, the souls of Israel receive all these lights, Hanim Shachin that are drawn into the Zair Anpin. Milmaila Maila that flow from above above. I guess Milmaila from above is Chachma, and Milmaila higher than that is the is Keter from so high. Mikol Abchinus, and 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 then it flows all into the souls of Israel. Lefishahem Klulim Mahakol because they how are they able to handle it? Because the souls are rooted higher and even higher and even higher and even higher. They include everything. Like we said earlier. The Zao, when I will understand why only by the souls we say, only by Ivdu as Hashem Because what was the, now you can serve God with joy. What's the joy? When you're doing a mitzvah, you are Him. And when you are Him, you're infinite. And when you're infinite, you're not in any constrictions. And when you're not in any constrictions, then you explode with joy. Because now you become the funnel of Havaya, of Yutke Vavke, of infinite light. From up, what we say from up, from its state of infinity beyond boundaries. And you're bringing it down and anchoring it down to express itself in time and space, all the way down into the physical matter of this world. But notwithstanding how lofty it is, um, the simcha, the joy, you can't start off with the action of doing mitzvahs. You need to pray first because you first need to liberate yourself. You first have to undress yourself, your identity from being a creator. We need to address, undress ourselves from being human, finite creation beings. And unify ourselves so that dissolve from this existence and now assume a new existence. Or let's put it deeper, reveal a much deeper tr- truth about ourselves. And that's the meaning of before we can do Ivdu Asashem Besimcha, we first need to do Bayulafanov. We need to come before him with what? Biranana with a with a song. Because we're not we're not able to come to the king. To become integrated from below upwards. Only with a song. And the song comes from what? From night. From feeling in the dark. That's how we break out of our shell. Because that's what calls us to yearn. Which is the element of night. And after we break through the night, we come into the day. And that's the meaning. We sing your tzedek. We, 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 we sing your malchus. Malchus is still nighttime. Which is only malchus. Because our feminine stimulation, our feminine waters, which means what we 
re, what we what we are like bringing upward towards Hashem to evoke His descent only reaches Malchus because Malchus is our source. We deposit all our sparks of holiness, all of our energies, all of our longing into Malchus, and then God comes down. We we can only we can only rise until Malchus, but then God comes down the infinite gap between Malchus and the Orient itself. Who makes that journey? Not us. That's what God descends to meet us, not halfway. Meet us almost at the bottom, but still, it's considered we we lift ourselves up as much as we can. We hit the elevator and go up to the hundredth floor, and God comes down from the trillionth floor to meet us at the hundredth floor and to unify Himself with us. But the flow of energy from up down. That's not us going to the king. That's the king coming to visit us. And the king has ginormous steps. He can walk very far. He can make that journey to meet us. But he wants us to be a vessel for him. So it's like my Moses. Moses was told to go up to heaven. Now how do you go up to heaven? You go up to heaven. So God brought heaven down to him. But he told Moshe, I'm not coming down to the floor. You've got to climb the mountain. Well, how, how much high? Mount Sinai is maybe 2,500 feet above sea level. How high did he go already? God says, as far as you can go, you go. Stretch your hand. When you get on top, stretch, get on your tippy toes and stretch till you literally stretch every muscle as far as your hand will go. And then I'll come and I'll touch you at the, at the very, I'll already give you the tablets at that point. So God wants us to climb as far as we can go. And that's our song, our singing and our yearning picks us up to our source, to Malchus, to be included in the song of the Shekhinah with expiration and longing, seeking to pop out of our vessels. And then God comes to, into, to infuse himself into our being and then through us and with us to manifest himself in the world. He named the Elov Memela. So once we climb on its own, the infinite light that is above, above, descends. And then when we're talking Torah, it's not us talking. It's him talking through us. And then the words that I speak, whoever that is, that's referring to God. Now, we don't even know who he is. We just know I. God says I. Beyond name, his true infinity, Metzavacha is commanding you. God is commanding us from his very essence. And now, once we understand the dynamic of how it is supposed to be when we are spiritually sensitive, when we can evoke this longing and then afterwards channel. Now we can explain the verse of Bastion. So he nay, for behold, when Malchus is the way she's supposed to be, she's in her holy stature, in her holy place, in the world of Atzilus. Then she's called Tzion. Why is she called Tzion? What does the word Tzion mean? This is the one part that I didn't explain until now. What's the meaning of the word Tzion? So Tzion means a mark. Tzion means a mark. So what does a mark mean? A mark is a sign. It's a sign. So I'm trying to find an example. It's a symbol. So if you're looking for, for example, at a map, 
You're looking at a map of a park, of a huge park. You're looking at the map of Yosemite National Park. It's a huge park. Map of a little paper. So you look through it. You want to know where there is a rest stop or where there is a picnic area. You can find uh, public, uh, you know, picnic area tables. Or you're looking for where there's a hiking trail. So what do you look? The hiking trail has a little person standing with the stick. You know, you release that. that's, uh, that's a sign of the hiking. And the picnic t- has, a, has a table, you see. The, the campsite has a little camper, a little icon. That's a little camper. The, the restrooms has a little, you know, man and woman sign. Right? And they're tiny little symbols. Now, obviously, you understand that on the map, you know, all you have is a, you have an image of a man or woman for, for a restroom or a table for it. But that's not the restroom. That's just showing you. It's a mark to show you and indicate. And when you're going to drive down this road and you're going to go over there, you'll come to a campsite. You'll come to a – the mark is a picture that is telling you about something that is really looks completely different. I mean, it's, it's a little picture. It's a sign for something that is – you're not expecting that when you're going to go to the picnic uh, to the um, to the campsite, you're going to find a, a, a tiny space that's as big as this thing. You know that's going to be much larger than that. But this is just a little sign. I always have the problem because I like hiking a lot. And I look at these trails and they look, oh, it's just from here to here. <laughs> Here's 15 miles of climbing. And I said, of course, it's a piece of cake. I can do it. But you realize it's a whole Yosemite, the map. So the little thing over here, you have to realize it's a little line. It looks like a little walking trail, but this is, this is, this is two days of walking. You're not going to make it. So you have to realize that it's all relative. It's giving you a tiny little something from what is it. So here's the idea. The mitzvahs that we do are little markers, a little sign, because we're doing something physical. You're giving a little tzedakah. You're doing a little, a little physical action. But it's really a symbol for an infinite flow, for a cosmic energy that's happening. You're taking a little shofar and blowing it, or you're lighting a little menorah. These are powerful super lights, divine, infinite energies that are humongous, that are breathless, that are impossible for us to comprehend. The Torah is full of tiny little symbols. Now, since all the mitzvot, and therefore up there in the in in, in the Zeir Anpin, we say 248 limbs of the king. It's the limbs of God. We're talking about infinity. We're talking about boundless. This is God's right hand. This is his left hand. This is down here, it becomes 248 small little actions. Do this, do that, shake a lulav, take the four species. They're all minuscule. They're tzionim. They are little markers for infinity. Now, where are the mitzvahs? Where do the mitzvahs transition? Where do the mitzvahs transition from being infinite and boundless to becoming from, from the actual um, a campsite or from the actual road or from the hike or from the this 
where are where do they transition into the map? We understand that at some point we capture the entire Yosemite or the entire Yellowstone and we put it onto the map. And we understand that the map is just a tiny little symbol for this vast part. But where does that transition go from shrinking, from being infinitely big, when it enters into the realm of time and space? Which that's finite. And where does that happen? That's Malchus. Because Malchus is already the source of creation of time and space. Now, Malchus is also infinite right, relative to us. But relative to the Orient itself, Malchus is considered already, as we spoke earlier, separated small time. So therefore, Malchut herself is called Zion. Because the mitz- all the mitzvahs are called the mitzvot of the melech, the mitzvahs of the king. She's called Zion. She's a symbol. Everything about her is symbolic of the Orient self. The Jews who keep the mitzvahs, which are, are also called Sion, because we're part of Malchut. Okay. and he explains over here in Malashin Simon. Sion means a sign. Because she receives all the lights that are literally above. Infinite lights that are from Zer Anpin, that are boundless, breathless, as we said earlier. She receives it, she receives it into her Yesod. She receives all these lights, but once they're given to her, they become translated into finite into finite phenomenon. And for that reason, it becomes like little markers. Everything about her is a little mark for something vast. Which is the Torah and mitzvahs. What is the Torah and mitzvahs? Torah and mitzvahs, every, every nuance of Torah, every is vast, infinite, infinite, um, energies in God, infinite enlightenment in God, infinite emotions of God. Yet when it when it's when it's transitioned into Malchus, it becomes readable into our world. Some of what we were learning about Torah, that that Torah is the, when 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 it goes uh, it becomes in Torah Shalpeh, We're learning about it. It becomes a little jug. It becomes transitioned into a language. Until then, it's still vast. It's ain't self. But it translates into a language that, that we know. But once it's, it's, only a, it's only, once you're translating this into our mini, mini world, it's like just a mark for something, for something, just a sign. Anybody who reads a map and thinks that all there is is the map, oh, I went to Yellowstone. Imagine that. Imagine someone who says, oh, I looked all the peaks. I wasn't, I wasn't Yosemite already. What do I need more? I, I, I looked at the map. You're crazy. You haven't seen anything. You know at least the out. You, you know that every single thing over here is is another peak. These are you see a little blue blotch. Oh, so I was already at lake. Uh, because I see no. This this is a sign of the lake. Do you have any idea of the grandeur and the beauty and the magnificence of this of this in, incredible? Uh, um 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 um. What do they call it? Uh, the um. Uh, when you have a a a, uh, a melting um, what a, a glacier, what these what, what, what on the map is just a map of it. 
So and that's our Torah mitzvahs that when it's translated, to, so these are an all the supernal lights, they come into the miniature world of Malchus and they become like a map. Because the main element of the mitzvah is in Malchus. Because what's mitzvah? The definition of a mitzvah is a commandment. So he's going to explain there's two things over here. Very beautiful. In every mitzvah, there is the content of the mitzvah, the divine content. What this mitzvah means to God. How these mitzvahs are an inner map of God's personality, of who he is. But there's another part to a mitzvah. There is the fact that this is a commandment. He is commanding someone to do something. So the divine content of the mitzvah exists before the commandment. What is God commanding you to do? God is commanding you to do something that is reflecting him. So there is the first, it was inside of him. But then it's not a commandment. Then it's just him. It's his emotions. It's his ideas. It's his energies. Then it becomes a commandment. But where does it become a commandment? It becomes a commandment only in the, in the context and in the relationship of a creation that he can command to do something. Someone who's not him. And that's only in a malchus. So the main part of the mitzvah being a mitzvah, which means the actual commandment of that happens only in Malchus. However, the energies of the mitzvah, the content of the mitzvah, the ideas behind the mitzvah are in the orange self that's higher than Malchus. But Malchus receives all these lights. It's all, which means just like in the map, the map might only be a map, but it's an accurate map. Every nuance of the park is 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 um, concentrated and 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 translated onto that map. It's all there. So Malchus is contains within herself a map of God's very self, but in a miniature minuscule translation. So now, and that's why she's called seal. Seal means a symbol, a sign. Ki ikr b'chines mitzvah b'malchus is only a malchus. Only in malchus does the mitzvah come to into its actuality. Shabira mitzvah eichu mahu huhi bizarre. The explanation of the mitzvah, that's not in malchus. That's above malchus. That's the Zeirampin. Torah is in Zeirampin, not a Malchus. So the explanation of the mitzvah, the content, the idea, the divine energies of it is all in the Zeirampin. The Kiyama mitzvah, but the fulfillment of it, Hebrew Malchus is, is in Malchus. Okay, For example, Indian Kaddish Li Kol There is in the tefillin that we have, right, which is the boxes, leather box you put on our head. There are four compartments, and one of them is a little scroll in which it's written a Torah portion called Kadesh Li Kol Bechor, Sanctify to me all firstborn. Now, that portion of the Torah contains the energy of Chachma Vatzilus, which is the boundless, infinite wisdom of God. It's all there in this parsha. And the second portion, Vahoya Kiviyacha, contains the energy of Bina. 
not just the end, not some drop of it. It is God's brain condensed in a. So the content of 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 the parsha, of the mitzvah, is on levels way beyond Malchus. However, the the, the what is the content of it is the islapshus, the enclosement of chachma, and it's only in these words. These words encapsulate God's mind. Must be pretty pretty awesome words, right? Vakim mamish, but the but when you're actually doing it, who are you? They klav gashmi. That's that's something. I don't understand something. This parsha kadesh li before it lands on a parchment, where is it? It's a vast, infinite, divine, divine uh, aspect in God. It's God's brain. That's its energy. But in order to do the mitzvah, energy, shmenergy, you're not doing anything with the energy. You got to write a parchment. And the mitzvah is to put the physical parchment in the box and put it on your head. So what happens? In some magical way that is incomprehensible, into that little parchment, is translated this entire brain of the in-self, of the infinite light. But that that translation into the physical and to do the mitzvah, that happens in, in Malchus, as we said. But the actual doing of it is through a physical um, parchment. And also you got to put it on your arm. You got to tie one box of filling goes on the on the arm over here, and the other one goes on the head. And that's why she's tzion. So first of all, the little malchut, the little the little source of time and space, the tiny little map, is receiving infinity. That's why it's yisod. What did we say? It's yisod. Yisod. The yisod of the malchut is the ability of her of the finite to receive the infinite. It, that, and but once she receives it, she translates it into what human terminology. She translates the divine vastness into, as we spoke before, you're putting it onto the map. It's becoming a tiny little uh, image on the map. It might be so vast you might be indicating a mountain, but on, on the map it's it's shrinking into a tiny little thing. But it's there. And that, but now it's only a tzion. It's a sign for something bigger. It is engraved in her. All the vast infinite lights. The wisdom that's contained in this divine paragraph of Kadesh Likobachar. Uh, which every letter of it is not even physical letters, whatever that means, and it's captured into this thing. But when you're doing it, you're actually tapping all those lights. You're tapping all those lights. Unlike when you're reading a map. When you're reading a map, you're only reading the map. You could be that you never went to Yosemite, you never went to Yellowstone, you never went to Olympic National Park. 
but you can be well versed in all the the, the 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 maps and you can know them inside outside but you're not there the beautiful thing about mitzvahs is that the actual entire everything when it translates in the, the map is not just a sign from a distant place the actual it it actually gets encapsulated the entire everything goes into that map so when you have to realize when you're reading it that you're not really oh that that our experience of it and our interaction with it is in 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 a in a way that it's only a sign for the it's a symbol for these awesome things but you're actually tapping all those energies because it was zip drived into the map that's the point god actually put the entire yellowstone into that map so it's actually going into your soul. Is that Indian mitzvahs? And this is the concept of, we say, mitzvahs tzriches kavana. That the mitzvah needs intention. That's the idea. The mitzvah is the action. The intention is to recognize that this is, <laughs> that it's not just a physical action that we're doing. Um, the mitzvah is to do it in the in the right way and how do we know how to do it the right way you learn the torah tells us and the intention is great lights that are drawn in the mitzvah and when we receive all the lights and that's when she's so rejoiceful and we said earlier after first we lung and then we dance because when we receive all these infinite lights into our finite vessels, and now we are no more finite. We are a finite container with an infinite, boundless flow. That is explosive. Uh, so, and that's supposed to be when we are in our holy state. But when she descends, when Malchut goes down into Briyatsir Nasir, which means the Shekhinah descends into exile, which means we go away from this Tzion state and we go into the state of singing and by night, which means a state of distance, a state of removal when we're not in a state of receiving the light from above. Then she's called the daughter of Zion. Because she's descending into a state of separation. She breaks through the partition that exists between the, the unified state and the state of already separation. And she goes down so low, the Shekhinah, and corresponding to that, every soul descends into a state. We go into the seven ministering angels. And the purpose of that serves an amazing purpose in order to clear up the darkness to bring that even the 70 ministering angels, which are the angels of all of the rest of creation and, and their subsequent constituents, which are all the human, all, all the all peoples of the world, in order, which are created in a state of separation that need to be brought into the state of unification through Israel, through the Jewish people, and through Torah mitzvahs. But in order to get to them, we have to leave our holy state living in Israel and living next to the holy temple and wander our way throughout the entire world. And that causes a dimming of our light. 
The purpose is in order to subdue them. In the concept that his kingship is meant to go everywhere. And you can't just, God can't just have, you know, a, a, a small little tiny portion in the world that is, that, is, that, is, that is obedient to his will. It has to expand throughout the entire world. For that, the work needed to be done for the last 2,000 years to break the klipas that are everywhere and to prepare the world for Mashiach. In a now, even though Malchus, in a sense, always is descending into darkness, she's up and down, but her main plummet, when she really plummets and falls low, is primarily in the time of exile. As we say, because when and when is the time when the Shekhinah goes in exile when the Jewish people are in exile? When 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 the Jews were exiled to Edom, the Shekhinah went along with us. We're no more in a state the Shekhinah is the God's voice into creation, but when she goes to exile, she becomes like words that become separated from the voice. Because you don't hear anymore the continuation of the voice, you're only seeing speech, and more than that, it's explained elsewhere, it's like horse speech, where you don't even have voice, you only have words. So you feel much more the separation, you're not, it's not a continuum of the orient self, separated and disconnected. And this, this should create even a bigger longing. That's why by night in exile, there's a much greater yearning. Like the Rebbe cries, we want Mashiach now. Yearning and yearning. There is a cry in exile. And there is such an unbelievable thirst and desire for reunification. But in the time of the temple, when there was a lot of light, and we were in a constant state of attachment to our infinite source. So, okay, so we were in a state of attachment. There was a lot of simcha, there was a lot of joy. But what happened with the work that we needed to do outside? We needed to be a light onto the nations. How do we get there? What happened with the sparks of holiness that needed to be elevated? We weren't getting there. And that's why we went to exile, to get to that. But did we not have any impact on the world? He says, no. We did. It just was in a different way. It wasn't through us descending into the darkness and to go hunt the sparks. Rather, we created such a magnificent light through our union with the infinite. We created such a powerful presence of the divine in Jerusalem that it attracted through a magnetic pull the sparks of holiness that were in a distance. And that's why many people flocked to Jerusalem. Many Gentiles came to see and they became inspired and many converted. So the sparks were were, were, were were unified, but not by us going down to them, but by them being pulled, by the magnificent intensity of the divine revelation that came about from this union of the Shekhinah and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which took place in the Beis Amigdash, which was this unification of husband and wife, of, of the infinite and the finite. And that's why, and primarily, when was this experience? In the days of King Solomon. That's why in the days of King Solomon, all of mankind came to search Israel. Everybody came. And like the famous uh, Ethiopian queen, and many of them married King Solomon. There was like a a draw. Everybody was coming. As it says, the wisdom of King Solomon became increased. So much so, and that's why it's compared to the The moon was in its full brightness. We discussed this many times. The moon refers to Malchut. 
and the sun is the is Hakadosh Baruch Hu. When the moon is a full in the mid mid month, when the moon is in full 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 brightness, means that the moon is reflecting the light of the sun completely. King Solomon was the fifteenth generation to to Abraham, so during his reign, we were in the in the even though we were in this world in the highest level of connection with God. So we were shining since it was a bright light. When there's a full moon, everybody sees the moon. So the entire world saw the brightness of Israel. So just like when King Solomon was king, what happened? Malchus was in a state of unification with her husband. Malchus was not going down into the lower three worlds, Levarer, to purify. Instead, but it doesn't mean that we were exempt from elevating. We were still have to elevate sparks. When we offered sacrifices in the temple, we were pulling the energies across from the entire world into holiness. We were creating such a magnetic pull. The smoke of the sacrifices was lifting the entire world and all the sparks up to Hashem. And the sacrifices was causing a pleasant aroma. And it brought about the supernal unity. And that unity increased the divine presence so, so much in the world. Because the infinite was being funneled into the finite vessels of Malchut and threw that into the creation. So the world was, was ablaze with, with, with godly light. So inevitably it caused the unholy to be subdued and surrendered to its holiness. And we fuel this fire constantly through all the sacrifices and our daily worship in the temple. Then we weren't called Bastion, the daughter of Zion. Ella, we were called Zion itself because we were receiving all the lights and we were just a symbol for the, for the infinite in this world. And everybody was fascinated by the symbol of God, which was in Jerusalem, and everybody came. Ella, but in the time of Golot, then we're called Bastion. But this is a tremendous fall because once we've fallen and we have to start going out into the world and start becoming treasure seekers. But by doing that, we abandon our spiritual connection. We don't have any more that intense unification with God. Not the longing and definitely not the joy that comes afterwards of complete unification. And that's why the prophet is coming to comfort us and say, even though we fell, we've fallen tremendously from our sublime stature. Alpha became very soon when Mashiach will come to Yarani Vesimchi. There's going to be again joy and there's going to be happiness. Not only that, we're going to be elevated with such great elevation. Not only will we have Rani, which is longing, and Simchi and joy, Simcha, which is joy, but we're going to be, they're going to, both experiences are going to be unified at the same time. That means till now we were saying, when you're on the outside and you're longing to go in, you sing. When you're in, then you're dancing. When you're inside, you're just so power joy. But here we're going to say something. There's going to be 
because of the loftiness of Mashiach's revelation, it's going to facilitate at the same time that you're joyous, you're still longing because you're filled with light, but at the, at simultaneously sensing that there is more at the time. It's because of the ink, because, because everything will be revealed. That's the idea. Um, the Indian and the idea is as follows. How is it going to happen? How are we going to be, how are we going to experience it? Especially since we don't have, because we become so disconnected, like we spoke earlier. This is, this he doesn't explain so much here, but he explained it more in the original discourse. Remember I said in the beginning, this is an explanation on that discourse. We don't have the longing. You can't really have the, so on the one hand during exile, we long more. But on the other hand, because of the darkness of exile, we get used to the darkness and we don't even know what we're to long for. So we lose that longing. So how can we have the joy? And the explanation is because there is sometimes a gift from above and a, a revelation from above without an arousal from below. When does that happen? When the Usually God set up a system that he shines upon us commensurate with our efforts. As much as we reach out, as much as we open up to him, that's how much he shines to us. But that's only when he's shining from a place that is relatively related to ours, to us. Then you can say, the more ready you are for me, the more I will shine into you. But when God is getting involved from his, from his very, very, very self, a place that it utterly has no relationship whatsoever to worlds at all, over there it doesn't make a difference, prepared or not prepared, because you can never prepare for it. And if he wants you to experience it, he's going to make you into a vessel. That's the point. He's got to make you into a vessel. You can't prepare yourself for a vessel. That's the idea of a sarusa the arousal from above. And this is what's called lamani lamani esa. For my sake, for my sake, God says, I do it. I'm doing it on my own. You, 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 I'm doing it because of me, not because of you. I, I. So it's a verse that says, for my sake, God says, I'm doing it. And a proof to this idea that sometimes God is just bestowing his light upon us without us being a, a, a vessel. He says, we see a little bit of that every day. He says, when do you make yourself a vessel for godly light? The mitzvahs is after prayer. Prayer is the time when you're opening yourself up. That's when you're singing. That's when you're yearning. But how come there are certain mitzvahs we do before we even start praying? For example, he says, you put on the talit, you put on the tzitzis, you put on the tzvillin before you pray. Hold it. Who made you a vessel for that? The answer is, those are mitzvahs God giving you as a gift. He's already gifting you with lights before you even start. So, so he says, your arousal from below with Pesukah the Zimra is in the verses of Psalm. And by the Shema, the Yesham Shachas HaMitzvahs, and there are certain mitzvahs that are coming upon you, they come even before, come my talis like talis. The difference is, however, those types of gifts that we get from above that are not dependent on us usually are from a more external level. That means like this. Let me put it this way. There's, it's in Hasidus, it explains there's three levels in which we interact with God. The preferable level, generally, 
is God wants us to seek him and then he responds. Then he responds, then he reciprocates. That's a very deep bond. When we make an effort first, he reciprocates. That's what that's the way he likes it. Now, he knows that we don't do anything unless he first he wakens us. So he he forgoes on that pleasure and makes the first move. Even though he would much rather wait till we wake up. So he sends us a, a sizzle. He sends us a certain awakening. He reminds us. He gives us a little tweak. A little, as I said earlier, he sends you an emoji like into your soul. And those are the mitzvahs that come before Davide. It's a little reminder. It's a little socket. However it is explained, because he so doesn't, he would, he would much rather that doesn't, doesn't happen. But he's doing it because he knows he has no chance of getting us involved unless he sizzles us a little first. Because it's not his ultimate desire that's coming from his external self. He's not really giving it his everything from the deepest place in him because he would rather wait till we're vessels for that. That's called the arousal from the above that comes before our work and it comes from the external. But then there is something else altogether. After we've been in a relationship with him and he sizzled us, he excited us first. We responded, and then he is now getting engaged in, in, in reciprocation to our work, which is much deeper, which is much higher. So which means like this, the arousal from above that comes after our service is much deeper and higher than the from a more internal place than the arousal from above that comes before we do our work. But then there is a third level. The third level is when he decides that he wants to share with us something very special just because he wants. And it's not, it's something that we could never have yearned for. It's something we could have never have reached for. It's something that we can never, that is already, that's the ultimate level. That's Mashiach's level. Lights that are coming just because he wants to give it above and beyond. And that's like the the icing on the cake after everything is over. So, so generally the, the mitzvahs that become before davening is what? It's from the outside. But if we want to take it, the deeper light of God, that's the meaning of come to his pnimius. That you need to sing first. And then he will give you his pnimius. That can only come if we sing first. But those are the rules that are only today. But in Mashiach's times, I am coming and I'm going to dwell in you. God says, I myself, my very essence, will dwell in you. God says, because the verse says, What does that mean? God says like this, I'm coming to dwell in you, which means you will talk and it's not going to be you talking. I'm going to be talking through you. But but it's not and but in a manner where you didn't prepare yourself, it's not because you made yourself an event. I will imbue myself into you, and your words will be my words, even without preparation. <laughs> Similar to Moshe Rabbeinu being able to talk, and the Shekhinah speaks to him through his mouth, so will be when Mashiach will come. Children will be speaking, and God will be speaking through their mouths. Like it says, Moshe says, I will give the reins of your of your land. And the question is, the, the verse 
Moshe is speaking in the second paragraph of the Shema. If you will listen to God, all these things will happen. And suddenly he transitions to talking as if he's talking. I will give your reins. So hold it. Moshe, he should have said, God will give your reins. Because that's what he started. If you will listen to God, he's speaking on behalf of God. I'm sorry, he's speaking in third person. So then he should say, and if you will listen, then God will give your reins. He suddenly transitions and says, I will give you reins. Because Moshe is talking, and at a certain point in his talk, he loses himself so much into God that he's no more Moshe. He's just God speaking. And he says, I, but it's, it's coming. It's as if Moshe is saying, I, but it's not him. God has overtaken him. Very soon we will all experience that we're talking, and, before, and, and, and we won't even know it. And God is suddenly talking through us, and, we're, and, and it's not us speaking anymore. It's, it's frightening. I find it sometimes when I'm teaching Chassidus that I... I, I like without knowing. I'm saying what it says further, and it's like hold it. Like where, where they come? It's like it's almost like something is something is flowing, and 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 this is a sign of of messianic times. This is this time. God says everybody. It's see in the past it was Moshe that was on that level. That's what Hashem is saying. I'm coming to all of you. That's the wild thing. I'm I'm gonna fill you with my light so much so that every every everybody. Is going to start being a flow and a conduit where Hashem is speaking through us. This is wild stuff. That's why he's saying every person says it by the Shema because really it happens to us all when we're saying the Shema. When you say, I will give rain, when you're saying Shema and you're saying, I will give rain, you're exactly like Moshe because you're saying you, but it does not you because Hashem is now speaking. Somewhere in the middle of the Shema, you disappear and God is now finishing the Shema. You started off speaking the Shema, but somewhere in the middle, you're just a conduit. You're just a channel. Because you first did Mesiris Nefesh in the word Echad, and you reach the point where you love God, you rapture with all your might, it becomes no more your words. It becomes that Hashem is speaking through you. It says that God answered in his voice, the voice of Moshe, but it's God speaking in Moshe's voice. But over here we're saying the Kiddush of Mashiach is Moshe. Fine, Moshe. Moshe was a big tzaddik. Moshe was the biggest tzaddik. He had, he had no ego at all. But the point of it is, I am coming. I am going to do this completely on by my volition. I am going to descend into you. I am my very self. I am above, above. I myself am coming down. And who is this going to manifest in? Who is going to unplug the entire world to this experience? Mashiach Tzadkein. And that's why the verse says regarding in Isaiah, it says about Mashiach. Hinini yaskil avdi. My servant, which is the ultimate servant of God, is Mashiach. Yaskil Avdi. He will reach, he will be wise. Yarum, will be elevated. Venisa, and he will be elevated even higher than elevation. Vigava, and high. Mo'od, very, very high. He's going to reach the very essence of Hashem himself. And he will allow that to come through him. And he will unplug it in all of Israel and all the Jewish people. Zahayinu mepimimi is atik. It says no one ever experienced the inner, innermost of Atik Yomen. Mashiach will plug in into the innermost of Atik. Atik is ancient of days. That's the inside of Keser. And the inside, we're saying, we're not just saying Atik is Keter, the inside of Keter. 
And the pnimius atik means the 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 quintessence of kesher, which is atzmos himself, which is the very essence of God himself. Shu pnimius erech anpin, which is the innermost of erech anpin. Sham yia milus moshiach. That's going to be the quality of moshiach. And, and, and because Hashem is coming down, and here's an amazing thing. This whole idea that usually, in order to connect, that God should flow through us, we need to first make ourselves into a vessel. Remember, you need to first sing at night so you can dance by day. That's the usual, the rule. is also hinted to in a, in a very interesting te- teaching that the sages say. We know Hashem and us are considered a man and a woman. Like this whole idea, Shekhin is the woman. In an intimacy between the man and the woman, that the sages discuss what's the product. The product is a child that's born. But a child can be male or female. What's going to determine the gender of the child? So the sages have a, a, their, their, their scientific, um, their science. The sages say that in that intimacy, if the man is the one who generates seed first, kind of, then that will result in the woman, in, 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 in a girl being born. If it's the woman first, then it will be a boy. I'm not getting into the, if that has any scientific whatever, but that's what the sages say. What does it, but there's a spiritual meaning of me. God wants a boy, in this context, the boy means a, a stronger, boy is physically stronger most of the time. So a, a, a stronger presence of God in the world being born, something divine but stronger, or someone who is more a reflection of the orient self, of the infant. But in order for that to happen, the woman has to stimulate. It has to come from the woman first. We spoke earlier. Woman first means we need to engage God first. And then he, he invests himself so much deeper into us. He gets so much more excited because it's, he, he wants so much that we should be in it. So then he pours his essence into us and then it creates a boy, which means a much stronger presence of the divine. If, if the man has to do it first, which means we're not engaging and we're doing a mitzvah, but we're not engaging with prayer first. So something will be, there will be a, a birth of something godly, but it will be, will be a woman. It won't be, it will be a girl. Not That's the idea. But what the verse, there's a Pasuk that says, we're talking about the end of days. And Tzion will be said, Ish the ish yuladba, a man a man will be born, will be born. Simply means when Mashiach will come, it will be so special that you were born in Israel that everybody will point. Wow, this this person is Israeli. This person is in Israel. This person knows now the world shames Israelis. You know when Israelis go to different countries and they go to a, they were in Dubai, not in Dubai, they were in uh, wherever the wherever the 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 the, the World Cup was. Uh, where was it in uh, one of those countries? One of those. So many of them were 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 were, were um, abused, were called names, and were called uh, Jews have been abused throughout history. But Mashiach will come. If you were born in Israel, that will be the most cherished passport. You, you, I, 
And then I said, let's see on your ish ish This person was born there. This person, it will be so, so great to have been born in Israel. People will go crazy about someone. That's the simple meaning. The deeper meaning is, will be set to Zion. Ish, a boy will be born. The, no, I'm sorry. Ish, even though it came from the man, the man was the one who did first. Ish, Yuladba, a boy was born. Why? Because when Mashiach comes, the, this rule that we have to stimulate first is, is, is going to go. It's going to be even without our preparation and even without our, the revelations of, the, of Mashiach are going to be so powerful. It's going to sweep across so strong that it's going to create a lasting, permanent, godly effect and a godly presence, even if we didn't do any work before that. To prepare, even if we didn't sing, we have the joy, the unification of Hashem to us. So that's the meaning. What does that mean? Generally, the rule is the woman is the one who has to plant seeds first in order to be a boy. And means ish ish because it's going to be coming from such a high place. It's going to be, even though it's ish, the ish, it's going to be a hamshacha from such a high place. Yeah, isha elyon. Key, why? And the verse continues. Why will it be that way? Because v'hu yechayna now elyon. Because God will establish her very high. The point over here is God is coming from a very high place. Because he will establish Jerusalem so high. Because the revelations, Mashiach will be elevated to such an incredible high spot. On that place, there's no rules. God doesn't play by the rules. Because Mashiach is going to be blessed, is going to dwell upon him, the spirit of God. And he's going to be given the power of, 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 of scent. One of the powers of Mashiach is the power of, of scent. Chutma de Paradashin, which the Zohar says that there are two nostrils. And the left nostril is where the essence of life happens. When God blew into the nose a breath of life, the essence is in the left nostril. Moshiach is going to be gifted with Hashem's left nostril, whatever that means. That's why it's the power of, of scent. Because he will be so high. Everything will be in a level of ish. Ish, the ish yulad. Even though there's no work from below, it will still be a boy. That's why there will be song and joy. Even the level of bas Even a level that's called the daughter, which means someone who is not in any way spiritual, um, spiritually conditioned. Usually, um, when the ish is the one who has to do first. It creates a girl in the She's receiving She's receiving the arousal from above. But yet, even those who are just receiving that the girl, the bas is going to be elevated so high that you receive from such the song and the joy is going to be unified. That even when we're experiencing the ultimate simcha, we're still going to sing because we're going to talk, we're going to know that we're 
On the one hand, we're unified. We're, on the other hand, we feel it's always higher, it's deeper. It's like it's not going to be like two separate things. All of this takes us back to Hanukkah. So this is the Messianic experience. But on Hanukkah, we have it already now. The Hanukkah menorah, the mitzvah is to put it outside the entrance of the house, on the street. What does that mean? The public domain. Because what's the doorway? The doorway to the house means the doorway is malchus. An open door means you you have to go through the door of malchus, which means you have to sing. You sing your way through malchus. You go through malchus, and that's the pathway to the orient self, like we discussed earlier. Through the night, you reach the day. Remember, through the singing at night. But those that are outside of the doorway means they have, they're not breached that door at all. They're not singing. They're not yearning. They're on the street. They're distracted by the uh, by the Ferris wheel or the uh, whatever fear that's going on on the street. They're not. They're they're not even. They're not even. They're not even climbing through the door. The verse says, "Open up for me, Sharei Tzedek, the gates of Tzedek. Tzedek is Malchus. Opening and coming through the door, meaning you're singing your way into the palace. And outside the door is the three lower worlds, Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya. And usually, usually that's kind of outside of holiness. Where do we light the lamps in the courtyard? Meaning outside. Not only in the courtyard, not only your holy courtyard, which is on Detroit Street, but even on La Brea. Even on Wilshire, even in Hollywood, even in Sunset Boulevard, out there. Even, yeah. And over there we draw, even in City Walk, they had a big event there. Out in Universal Studios, out in the belly of the Klippa. <laughs> even over there. We draw the, the lamps of Hanukkah. What is the, what is the lamp? The lamp is where the light, the oil, the wick, the gavanim, and all the colors of the flame. What does that mean? All the levels of the divine are shining brightly. In the vessel, the vessel is the person. But we draw down all these powerful lights out, 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 out into the farthest outer places. The different colors of the flame are the inner lights, the, the encompassing lights, everything. Everything comes all the way down, 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 Mata. Without any arousal from above, just the arousal. In other words, Hanukkah candles blast through and ignite. No preparation, yet preparation. Street boy, street girl, right over there. Everybody is illuminated with the light of Hanukkah because it's messianic light. Well, God will flood the world with such holiness and godliness. And basically, what he's really saying is, ready or not, here I come.